Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And we are here with our last full-length feature film of uh, (laughs) one Sir David Lynch. Yeah, no shit. How did we get here? Um, Well, we listened to that one song in Rent that starts, How did we get here? How the hell? hell?" It's actually about a filmmaker. Should we talk about that? Yeah, I actually would rather, honestly, would (laughs) 12,000% rather talk about Rent, even the not very good movie Rent. 12,000%? That's a lot of percent. I would rather talk about even that okay movie. I would rather talk about it 5,000, 5, damn it. 125,000 minutes. No, listen, you tried. I... Nailed it though. Right? Well, you uh, expressed to me that you understand my interests and also are interested in them. And I that's tried all to get I it right though, but you did. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred uh-huh. minutes. Except percents. for I've already said it, and when you tried, you just really blew it. So there's no. I was reiterating. I was <laughs> confirming. Um. So yeah, we just watched Inland Empire. Yes, we did. Which um, we. Watched because I have a Region B Blu-ray mm-hmm. of, um, which Blu-ray makes no sense because the source material is not in HD, uh-huh. um, so that doesn't make sense. But I had to like move the because I have a multi-region player upstairs. We had to move it downstairs mm-hmm. so we could get it to, like. It's not streaming anywhere else. Like yeah. this is a hard move for being like. The last feature film of David Lynch, who's a noteworthy director. Yeah. It's hard to find. It's also hard to follow once we did find it, so. <laughs> um, True. We. I will say I'm on my last glass of wine from the bottle. Oh, you house a bottle of wine while we were watching you that didn't? movie? I no, thought you I, refilled it the couple n- of times you left. No, no, I only had one glass of yeah, wine no, during I'm, that movie. I'm a little tipsy-topsy. It was a head- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. That means you'll order a pizza after this. Yeah. Tipsy Topsy. <laughs> I want Chinese food. Let's get Chinese food. Yes. 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 You never want Chinese food. I want Chinese great. food this time. Bingo. Bingo, mango, hot um, cha Yeah. So, yeah. So, I. it was a, a difficult thing to come by. It was a difficult thing to acquire to watch. Um, and the entire movie is shot by David Lynch. Wait, what? I was going to say, it's shot with the cell phone I got in Basically. high school. It's, I mean, it looks like that like because the, it's, yeah. Like, it, had you watched, I remember watching this and not thinking that much of it no. in 2006 when I watched it on my tube TV right. and whatever. But, like, I'm sure it looked fine on that. It's shot with the Sony PD150, mm-hmm. which is a, a camera I used a lot in film school. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Cliff owned one. I borrowed it several times to film wedding videos. I I was a Canon guy, so I had the Canon GL1, GL2, XL1, which is they're all basically the same camera, but the Canon version of the Sony. So like, I I could afford to just own basically three versions of this camera. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he and he was in love with the idea of shooting digital. Like what you got. I get that, but like for someone who loves like rich, deep, dark black tones and things like that, like mm-hmm. this mini D, like this mini DV, like this is a this is legitimately a prosumer camera. They don't even call this a profession. Like they made up the category of prosumer, which is a combination of professional, professional. and consumer, like high end, right? 
amateurs can afford this and use this and make some whatever. It doesn't get those big, thick, rich blacks that, like, it's it's mind-blowing that he loves digital so much when you see this because you're like, oh, this looks like, on a big screen, probably looked like fucking garbage. It, I mean, I will say. Compared to, like, Mulholland Drive mm-hmm. on film, like, that looked gorgeous. I don't know. That, I like the versatility I like the idea of being in love with digital now. I could see that. Like when you look at Twin Peaks season three, some of that looks gorgeous and mm-hmm. it's because the cameras have gotten significantly better. And it gives you the option yeah. of not worrying about film. Right. Sure. And I love that which, freedom. Which makes sense in his... Right. And he shot it all himself. This, this is legitimately just him with a camera strapped around his back of his palm. And it... And just filming shit. And like, it shows. And it feels... Yeah. It feels like... David Lynch running around Hollywood with a camera being like, now do this. Yeah. It, it's wild. It felt very, there were parts that felt like I was watching one of my high school plays filmed yeah. to the audience. Yeah. You know, it felt, it just felt cheap and chintzy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and it's, it's and it made it how much of to- that is hindsight, how much, you know, because cameras have gotten better and it's, I don't know. Yeah, it just, it looked shitty. And that, for me, like, uh, yeah, I just, I liked the first hour of this movie a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I really did. And I, like, I was reading, a, like, a couple different descriptions of it before we were recording. And I was like, in theory, I love this movie. Like, the idea mm-hmm. of, like, Laura Dern getting so lost in this character that all of a sudden she doesn't know who she is or or you know mm-hmm. which way's up L- love like i famously love a descent into insanity sure, that sure. is my favorite like genre of horror film sure um and so that's so for that first hour i was like ooh okay this is actually setting up some interesting moving parts of and they pull that got, back in a little bit in the third hour but like but by then i was like yeah. i i was genuinely exhausted by the end yeah. of this movie of like I can't even, I honestly, I can tell you exactly where it lost me. Hmm. There was a scene where, I think it was before the women started doing that, like, uh, that, <laughs> the locomotion. The locomotion. Oh, I love that scene, though. No, no, no. I really liked it, but I can tell you where I was like, oh, okay, I'm no longer going to be on board for this, is they, I think it was this scene, but those women were, like, having a conversation, and I spaced out for, like, just the first 10 seconds of that scene, and by the time I, like, like got myself back in the movie, they were talking, and I was like, I have no idea what anybody is saying and I don't and I don't know if that means that whatever that first sentence was was I very important or or the or the fact that like at some point everybody is just kind of talking nonsense and yeah. I as a viewer do not understand how to differentiate the two. Yeah. I mean and it it, it requires a lot of focus and that's hard um this is i think the third time i've seen this Mm -hmm. i think it gets better every time i see it i could see that um but fuck if it's not an undertaking to watch every single time you know what i mean like it's it's a full three hours Mm -hmm. of more or less nonsensical madness yeah it's lord dern and justin thoreau themselves have said i don't know what happens in this film i don't understand this movie and Go ahead, and that's fine. 
but like like in the whole thing the, the whole catalyst for this film was david lynch called laura dern and said hey do you want i think he just it really is he fell in love with this sony pd 150 <laughs> called laura dern and said do you want to experiment and she said okay <laughs> got a producer credit for it and they just went around and fucking put a super wide angle lens on a camera and shot some shit yeah um as much as i adore laura dern um and i think she was very very good in this movie mm-hmm. and Previous to this, I would have said, oh, my God, I could watch just a close-up of Laura Dern acting <laughs> for three hours. But yeah. now I've seen that, and actually, she's a tremendous talent, but that's not enough to hold me, to pin me into a three-hour movie. Well, and we b- briefly touched on this while we were watching it, and you made the statement of how incredibly not self-conscious she is. Mm-hmm. And, like, for someone who not only is in this and is the starring role and you know the through line through this entire picture she's a producer and co-creator to some degree Mm -hmm. of this film yeah and is still willing to be like you can shoot this right up on top of my nose with like a 10 millimeter lens Mm -hmm. and it'll make my nose look three and a half meters long and everything else will be skewed and skinny and it's gonna make me look awful but that's fine yeah like just she's so comfortable with like yeah, but that's what you want, and that's the vision, that's the character. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. She's un- unconscious. It's very, is, is very what, cool. Is what I yeah. said of, of like she, her primary concern is not do I look cool, do I look good, right. do I look sexy. Right. It's it, it seems to be. I should say I, I, I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but it seems to be that she is very like she seems like a, a real artist of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of sorts. Um. So yeah, like I said, I man, an hour into this movie, I even turned to Mikey and I was like, I don't know what else is going to happen, but I am enjoying the shit out of this yeah. movie right yeah. now. Um, and I agree. I love, I love the you know the whole like what, what was that sound and the sets, and then later that comes back in this cool way. But like, I the I think the the biggest problem with this film, and I like it. I I do overall like it and I like because I think it's smarter than I am one of those kind of things Mm -hmm. I think it would have been better if it was either shot I don't know if you could have shot it on film because it's so big and bulky I would have liked to have seen this shot in better quality DV but Mm. that didn't exist yet you know what I mean so there's that trade off but it never occurred to me they had handheld you can do like handheld shots you can do handheld on but they're they're cumbersome and he so much of this is either him in their face yeah him in their face and either unlit or like you know minimally lit and it's just david lynch and the actors and i think that's what intrigued him so much about this is like oh this thing is so small i can really get up close and i can be talking to them the whole time over doing this and i can get these performances and stuff without the distraction of like he even makes like i think in a meta way he even jokes about like how big a cinema crew is several mm. times about like every time they cut one of those like scenes that they're okay cut check the gate we gotta make sure you go oh the light needs to be up higher than lower two feet, and two, two feet. feet and it's this whole like everything's a fucking thing and this movie was shot so polar opposite to that yeah and he w- wishes i think more that film could be like that 
Sure. Um, so I appreciate, I don't remember where my thought was that I was driving towards, but. That, that he couldn't have done what he wanted to do with a traditional film sure, camera. Sure. And I feel like that was like a cat, like a setup for whatever I was going to say or whatever, but doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I do, I do like this movie. I think, oh, that's what I was getting at is I think the, the problem that exists within this film or whatever, the, the biggest thing that makes it nonsensical madness or whatever is there's, it's the connection between the Polish slash Eastern European stuff and the stuff that happens in California. Mm Mm-hmm is so abstract yes that if it, all you need is just one good scene that really connects those two mm-hmm. worlds because there's two movies going on mm-hmm. and the California one's fucking awesome yeah and the Eastern European one is weird and insane and I don't understand it yes. and and you know part of that's me but I feel like every character looked the same I didn't know who people were I couldn't get a track grounding me. yeah I couldn't track anything and then that's a huge part of it mm-hmm. to the point where it's basically the entire second act. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I think that's why I had yeah, so, such it's, a hard it's time. It's hard. Like, and I think oh, if he could have yeah, locked in all of that Polish stuff better or connected in to our world better, mm-hmm. I think this movie would make a lot more sense and I'd be more invested or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, I don't know. But I'm intrigued by all of it still. Yeah. And I'm sort of sad about the idea of like the movie that this could have been, I think. Mm-hmm. Which I mean it would which I read some of the IMDB trivia too, and like it sounds like he just sort of filmed a couple things he thought were interesting yeah. and then figured out how to weave them together. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but it just it was hard. It, for three hours, though, David. Yeah, that's for three hours, well, bud. But it it just makes you realize he probably shot fifteen hours of a movie. Yeah, wait, I mean, you know what I mean. That's how movies work. But like, like, you not not just shot fifteen hours of hours. footage. F- shot a fifteen hour movie. Like, oh. I would bet that if his the assembly cut is probably eight or nine hours. You think? Probably. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much usable stuff that he just kept cutting out, cutting out, cutting out, cutting sure. out to the point where it could be a trim three hours, right? But yeah, it's just it's it's an ordeal. It's good. It's interesting. It's worth a viewing. It's it's a it's a weird follow up to Mulholland Drive because I think he kind of peaked there uh-huh. with like. Not I. I do think it might be his best film, in my opinion, my favorite at least, Mulholland. Mulholland. But it's when I say peaked, I mean it more in the sense that like it's peak David Lynch. Sure. But you can get on board for it. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's accessible. It's weird and abstract, but it's accessible. Mm-hmm. And then this is not no. most people will not enjoy this film right and i don't blame them right um but 
there are a lot of things that I've seen in this movie that carry over into season three of Twin Peaks. and Oh, for sure. I mean, like, some of the actors that we see yeah, we, we and show just up some later. Of shots and like the green the jacket. The sound effect is, we is, hear. Yeah, so much of it is him. Like, that's what I like, think I like most about this film is not the outcome, but the process. Sure. It's, it's him finding what he wants, how he wants to... It is. It's an experiment, and he's experimenting, and it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It's let me find new things and new tricks and new techniques mm-hmm. and new ideas and things. And then I, if it, I don't think season three of Twin Peaks would be as good as it is if in a, if he didn't go out and do Inland Empire. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, one thing I did track just sort of offhand that this. I think I noticed that this soundtrack was a lot more orchestral than we usually hear from David Lynch. He yeah, it's not Battle of Menti. It's yeah, very clearly not. No, there are there are clear. moments that feel toward very Battle Menti. Yeah, toward the end, sure. there was a a song that I thought might be when she's walking through the hallways. Mm-hmm, yeah, that absolutely. Might, might be Julie Cruz, but I wasn't. Oh, oh, oh. Wait, it, yeah, yeah. I don't think it, it, it might is, not but, be, but it has but it has that, the same like, ethereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oops, clicked, clicked out of my thing. Um, Empire. So. Um, yeah, should we dive into the plot? <laughs> As it were. It's actually one, two, three, four, four beefy paragraphs, which is, I thought it was going to be another, what did we, what did we do on this that I couldn't find a um, summary anywhere? In Storyville? A... Storyville. Probably, yeah, because that yes, is a does. movie, like at least Lynch has a cult following that Mark Frost doesn't really have, so like Storyville kind of. Flopped and it wasn't a super successful or great you, movie. I don't remember a fucking thing about story. Yeah, it was. Who is the lead actor? It was, it was the James Spader movie, and he goes James to like Spader. a dojo and yes, hooks yes, up yes. with that woman, yes, and then yes, it was yes. like now a I whole. Remember. They fucked in a hot tub. Yeah, and then somebody Classic filmed Spader. it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, okay. So hopefully, <laughs> I can figure out where to, I took um quite a few notes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Such as they are. <laughs> that doesn't mean this movie makes sense. A lot of you're just gonna have a note that's like blue question mark. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my notes end in question marks, which isn't which isn't a good sign. No. Um, I'm curious how the plot will fall into these because I don't know where to plug in a lot of these notes. Sure, sure, you know sure. what I mean? Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. So we start. We start in Poland. Obviously. Which is... It's called Inland Empire, named after the part of California called the Inland Empire that's east of LA, a.k.a. Poland, Michael. Which is where, apparently, that's how that came to be, is that while... Laura Dern just said, my husband's from Yeah, my husband's from the Inland Empire, and he was like, I love it. Let's do it. Let's work around that. That's our catalog. Did you see the quote? He's like, I love the word inland, and I love the word empire. I love you, David Lynch. I love. I mean, it's a compelling. I I, I give him due credit. I'm not yeah. good at titling things, yeah. but that is a strong. Like I am a writer who can like, never come up with headlines or titles. At one point, I made the joke about like, why is this fucking called Inland Empire? Most of this takes place in Poland. And then at one point, one of the Polish people mentions Inland Empire, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> clap, 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 clap. The universes are connected after all. It's so. Oh, I love it. All right. Okay. <laughs> So, we okay. So this starts with the woman crying, but we, what we first see, which here's the thing: the first, I would say, 
I mean, the hour. The first hour, I was like, fuck, yes. This is it. Yeah, I yeah. was thinking in my head, oh, my God, I cannot wait to, like, Whoa. go tell people about, like, how much I love this movie. Yeah. And, like, I get it. I get David Lynch. <laughs> I have found, like, my sort of cinema soulmate, which I think is really going to be closer to Charlie Coffin <laughs> at this point. But this feels like... Phoebe Buffay and being in love with Old Yeller and not understanding what happens at the end. <laughs> You're like, yeah, the first. I've only seen the first hour of In the Nepper, but it's but so it's, good, it's so and coherent, dark, and Tight it makes sense. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's still two more. There's still an entire movie I just after that. Knew it, but I genuinely was like. <laughs> knowingly plunging myself and being like, all right, Jess, you're going to commit to loving this movie because you need to, like, strap in. Because you'll be miserable yeah. if you don't like this movie I'm, for three hours. And guess what? I was I'm miserable for 90 of, minutes. And I think, I honestly, I think, because the first time I saw this movie, I wasn't, I liked Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked Twin Peaks, but I wasn't, I never considered myself a David Lynch fan. I, I liked Twin Peaks. I had seen Mulholland Drive. Um, I think I had seen Lost Highway, and I was like, "Oh, let's try. This is his next movie. Let's watch this." I got it when I, I got it via the mail from Netflix. I was going to say, "Did you get two VHS tapes?" No, I got yeah. <laughs> it was one one DVD from Netflix. I remember watching and being like, "This like, there's." Oh, did you say when this was? This came out in 2006, uh-huh. so it was probably 2008. Okay. Is seven, right. you know, whatever so it came out on. I got 20s. it. Yeah, I got it pretty quickly uh-huh. when it when it was available. Um, Should have stole that <laughs> that DVD yeah, right. from Netflix. Sold it. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be worth a hundred dollars now. Um, I think the DVD is still relatively easy oh, to find. I don't. I don't recall though. Why did you get it on Blu-ray if it's not in HD? <laughs> Just because I. <laughs> Because I'm a nerd about my shelving, mm. and I didn't want to have to put it over on the because sure. de- I have the small DVD shelf and then mostly the Blu-ray shelf, and I wanted it to be on my Blu-ray shelf. And how much of this acquiescence to design cost us? How much was the Blu-ray? Was, most Regent B Blu-rays are cheap. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna be like, oh, it, I spent fifty dollars because to I buy the movie. The problem is you have to pay for it. the the what do you call yeah. it the player. Um, so anyway, yeah, I thought um, you were gonna be like it was fifty bucks, but I just no, knew I no, wouldn't be able was, to sleep at night knowing was, that Inland Empire cheap. was on the wrong shelf. Yeah, it was pretty cheap, but um, <sighs> so so this starts um in a hotel room with two blurry headed characters, yeah, which, which I, I think is yeah, an amazing effect. Loved it. I really, Are you kidding? Really it. I loved it, was, it. It wasn't just like pixelated. Like he does this weird like. Oh, it blends like into the shadow. background. Oh, and, so and this, good. Yeah, that that was a really, really, really cool effect. I liked that a lot. Um, so a, a sex worker and her her client have an encounter. It was unpleasant. Um, and so she, when he leaves, sits down and watches TV, crying. Was it unpleasant? I don't recall. I mean, she's crying. This is what this says, and also I thought she was crying at the TV, though. I think she. I don't know. Because it, it like. They don't really go into what happens. I I don't recall. It, it was. I think this you'll have a to good forg- solid three and a half hours ago. I think you'll have to but. forgive Wikipedia for trying to simplify things in a way that we can understand. Sure. So, sure. D- was it a bad encounter? I don't know. Well, maybe, it, but like, I don't think it was like one of those where he was abusive or whatever. It was like I remember him. He comes in, says, "Take off your clothes. I'll tell you what I want." 
it was very transactional right. is how it felt to me. Right. Um, and I, I could be wrong. It was now several hours ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Anyway, then she's watching the as cry, while crying the screen, and it's kind of changing. It's throwing a few things. One of the things you see is Grace Zabriskie walking up to the house. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, one of the things you see is her walk up to the house the way she does in the scene a little bit from now um, to Nikki Grace's house. I don't know if we should call her that because I don't know if that's actually who she is, but the mm, Laura Dern character, she's, going to she's be. credited as Nikki Grace, but I don't know that that's who she is or if Nikki Grace really exists or... David Lynch. Two, two people just shrugged on a podcast. Yeah, nailed it as usual. Time. Okay, uh, so she starts watching this show that it, I, God, I loved it. So we've got three, like, anthropomorphic rabbits. Right. One is sitting on the couch, appears to be coded as feminine. One, doing yeah, they ironing. have names. There's Jack and Susie, and another one, and I don't remember the one third one's name. Ironing, coded mm-hmm. as feminine. Mm hmm. And then our male bunny, mm-hmm. and it. I feel. I feel like I've seen this bit done as well in like The Simpsons and things like it's, that. But I do love the like when he walks into the room and there's just like the the long applause applause yeah, break yeah, yeah. and the thing that you see on every like three camera live yeah, studio audience sitcom of like fun as, of the sitcoms, yeah. But but just like that moment of like it's a little bit too long for everybody just standing stagnant and still to like wait for the applause to die down it's like the bit of there's a youtube video that i've seen that i love that's a clip from the wonder years if you take out kevin arnold's like daniel stern voiceover narration Mm -hmm. And there's just this scene of the, and it cuts to him, cuts to the mom, cuts to this, and they just keep cutting. And it's just, if you take out the voiceover yeah. narration, this scene becomes incredibly awkward and uncomfortable because yeah. it's so long. Cause, yeah, because the scene is he wasn't supposed to play football, played football, got yeah. blood in his, got blood in his shirt, yeah. and his uh, mom is like, "What's on your shirt?" And it's just like pause, pause <laughs> for like forty five seconds. <laughs> Pause. Yeah. Pause. Pause. Catch up. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just his monologue. It, it's so good. It's, it's yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, but link. so a few years before this movie came out, before Inland Empire, David Lynch made a short film called Rabbits. 2002, right? Probably around then. A few. Uh, I know it was 2002. A okay. Are you, so you have information on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I don't know if... He took the same short film and interspersed it, or if he re-recorded stuff, or how much of it was the short film and how much of it was redone. I don't know. You know what I mean? That's what I don't know. I've never actually seen the the Rabbit's short film, but it is voiced by the same three people, which is Naomi Watts mm-hmm. from Mulholland Drive, Laura Lena Herring from Mayo- uh, from. Mahon Drive and Sean Coffey. Scott. Scott Coffey. Um, who's Sean Coffey? I know that name. It's just a brand of coffee you like? Oh, you know who I think? I think that's... You know who that is? Sean Coffey is the name of the guy who got engaged at Twin Peaks Fest when we were there. Oh, fuck you. That is not his name. You do not remember that name. 
Ten bucks. All right. Handshake. In cash. Anyway, um, shout out to Sean Coffee if you're listening. If you're real. (laughs) (laughs) I don't hear that laugh from you very often. (laughs) I'm drunk. Um, So no, no, no. The right answer was you're very funny, my wife. Um, I don't feel like you take me seriously. So I don't. Do you want me to? Tell you about the show and things. Yeah, so I don't know how much of it carried over, or whatever. But it's the same three. And and Chuck, and Scott Coffee is also in Twin Peaks season three. He was in Mulholland Drive. Um, but yeah, so they're char- they're actors we know and ha- and have seen. Oh boy, I want to watch this real bad. Rabbits is a 2002 series of eight short horror web films written and directed by David Lynch. Sean Coffee. Huh. Fuck me, I guess. All right, congratulations, Sean Coffee. We saw you get engaged. I'm really sorry that when you guys did karaoke, I yelled propose to her when you're actually planning to propose to her. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I yell things at people. (laughs) (laughs) I took a picture, though, of the actual moment and sent it to them well, so we I, felt, walked, I was uh, glad that so this is Twin Peaks Fest the last night we went to Sean and Ashley Sean and Ashley they're now married and seem happy <laughs> from the pictures that I've seen on that you've stalked Instagrams um, <laughs> we were all doing karaoke at the bar that's the roadhouse it's not the roadhouse inside so it's roadhouse yeah, it's outside the, it's just the exterior yeah um, but we were doing karaoke which P.S. I'm a karaoke fiend and that had the most bonkers list of songs I had ever heard. It was only oldies. Yeah, it It was was wild. But anyway, so Sean brought his then girlfriend Mm -hmm. up and he was like, we've been dating for X amount of years and it's our first time karaoke. And I just went, promise! Like like a lunatic. Because I like to insert myself in people's lives. Meanwhile, he's like mid-panic attack. Meanwhile, he's like, who the fuck is that bitch? Yeah. Um... But I don't remember what they sang. I felt like it was. I don't either, actually. Okay. It was. It was one of those like it was a classic duet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, it was good. Anyway, so. Beam, bop, boop. Congrats, John and Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> for getting for getting engaged in 2018 or whatever. Yeah. But then that was their whole thing. Is that then they got married and then they were going to go through their honeymoon and come back to Twin Peaks Fest 2019 as like part of their honeymoon trip. When did you talk to these people? Facebooks and Instagrams. Oh, and I thought you talked to we're, them. We're fucking like super tight. I thought you talked to them like in person and that's really unlike you. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I don't, Do you remember that entire karaoke night? You were, you were off chatting up. Christoph Zajac Denik that whole time. First of all, I wasn't because he was off maybe or maybe not having sex. This is before he hooked up with whoever it was in the bathroom. Which, again, cannot credit him enough for that baller move. No, this is He absolutely hooked up with that girl in the bathroom, but it was awesome. There was a (laughs) woman there who was hard of hearing, and so Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm, and I were mm -hmm, signing mm -hmm. to each other and making fun. Well, I was making fun of the singers to her. Yeah. Um, So that's what I was doing. I thought maybe while I was doing that, that, you were talking to these human people to their Flesh face. I was at some point because I I had to like talk to them enough to like, hey, I got a picture of this moment oh, happening. Sure. How do I get it to you? I definitely spoke to them like and then, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, listen. I just want to read this. 
Yeah, do it. Rabbits, 2002, blah, blah, blah. Lynch, um, there are eight. How long does it say? Uh, 2002, eight short horror web films. I don't have a, a running time. Okay. Um, I just was wondering if it was like a three minute film or like a 15 or 20 I minute. I do not okay. know. Um, they're direct, written and directed by David Lynch. Um, he refers to them as a sitcom. Um, their disjointed <laughs> conversations are interrupted by a laugh track. Ooh, sorry if that crackled. <laughs> and here's my favorite part and maybe what's going to ultimately be my next tattoo. Ooh. Rabbits is presented with the tagline and then <laughs> in a nameless city deluged by continuous rain, three lab- rabbits live with a fearful mystery. <laughs> I want to watch it so bad. <laughs> But then they just like say things and then they like throw in a laugh track for no fucking reason. Yeah, it's so eerie. Um, but I it's mean, but it, it's an it, it's an interesting take that like that's what they're watching. That's what this woman is watching. Sure. And then at the fucking end, Laura Dern walks into the middle of that fucking sitcom. Like yeah. what the? F- it's bananas. Fuck. I just think I like the the sort of the deluge with continuous ra- by by a continuous rain feels so like. Classic Ray Bradbury short oh, yeah. stories of yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like one of his famous stories is about a, I think Venus that people move to a different planet and it rains 363 mm-hmm. days out of the year and it, they get 15 minutes of sunshine twice a year or something okay. like that. And it's this school of kids and they bully this kid and lock him in a closet and he misses the 15 minutes of sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Red Ray Bradbury really fucked my shit up as that's a kid. Dark. Yeah, I know. That's why my brain is broken <laughs> because I read Ray Bradbury too yeah. young. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Isn't it grim? Also, totally what fucking kids would do. Yeah, because kids are monsters. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. That's why Ray Bradbury sticks with me. Do you don't know the name of that one? Oh God. Um, Short story or is that? Yeah, uh, it. I feel look. like he wrote a lot of short stories. He did. I'm gonna look it up because I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'm just gonna cut this out. I, I genuinely don't know what's up, Ray. I read in school something wicked this way comes. Don't remember a goddamn thing about it. Uh-huh. I probably read bits and pieces. It's of called it, the Long honest. Rain. Interesting. But yeah, I don't. Originally called Death by Rain. Come on, Ray Bradbury, you're yeah, so good at titles, the, bud. The, the Long Rain is better. The Long Rain is very good. Uh, published in 1950. Because it also, like, I assume it's Rain, R-A-I-N. Because mm-hmm. it, it what, feels like... What did you say you watched? Well, I had, I had read the or read Something th- Wicked This Way comes in high school. I don't think I've... Really? That's no, like, I thought it. I thought that was like his most... Fahrenheit 451, baby. Yeah, okay. You can't say, oh, maybe. Fahrenheit 451 But I think, is... honestly, a Something Wicked This Way comes is like a second... I I know the expression from Shakespeare. It's something like this way comes, mm. but I don't know the. Is that maybe it? Like you've heard that tossed could around? Could be. Because that's an, listen. I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. I did a play when I was at COD. Oh, uh huh. Called Dandelion Wine, which was I think a Ray Bradbury adaptation. I think so too. Um, and I played the professor, and I was like the comic relief, which was the. Uh, I 
another. I didn't the most Ray validated I've ever been in my entire life was <laughs> to be on stage having speaking lines, doing physical comedy, and getting laughs from an audience. Ooh, never had anything like that, and it's amazing. You should try stand up. All they can do is look at you. Yeah, but they if they don't. The difference is if they don't laugh, it's all on me. I can at least be like this. Ray Bradbury guy isn't funny, and it. And I like. I remember there was a there was a so moment when I up to you after you had a shitty performance where nobody laughed and they're like, "Wow, Mikey, you did a bad job." You're like, "It's Ray Bradbury, <laughs> motherfucker." I'm just reciting his words. Yeah, <laughs> that guy is. But I remember that like there was one moment that got like, ooh, was where like I jumped over a balcony and like dropped like a pretty decent jump. You are more proud of your ability to jump over and down from things than anybody you've met who's proud about anything. Yeah, it was, but it got a react. It was, it was very cool. (laughs) (sighs) But also, dandelion wine is how I learned that I am because I was supposed to have a. In like crazy, mad scientist beard kind of thing. Oh, that's what. This and this is, is how I learned that I was incredibly allergic to spirit gum, mm-hmm. which is if you don't know what spirit gum is, it's like a latex glue that is what's used to apply facial prosthetics and mm-hmm. and fake beards and things like that. Um, and I am apparently incredibly allergic, so we got to one of our first dress rehearsals and I did the thing and put on my fake beard and did the night. Then I went home and I woke up the next morning and I was like, okay, I'm awake. I feel like I'm awake. I know I'm awake. I'm conscious. Why can't I see? <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I woke and I realized that like, Oh, and I went to like touch my eyes of like, why can't I see? And my hands were about, two inches in front of my face but I was still touching my eye sockets and I realized that I was my entire face was like straight up like out of hitch that move that yeah, fucking yeah. bad um, Will Smith movie just protruding outward and I pried my literally pried my eyes open with my hands went to the mirror stared at myself for like <laughs> a good 35 40 seconds or whatever which if you've never done it like if you never had like major prosthetic facial whatever and looked in a mirror or whatever looking in a mirror at someone who is not you is the most fucking surreal experience i have ever had Mm. it's wild and i like called my mom who was at work and i was like i don't know what to do and she's like what do you mean what happened i was like i don't know my eyes were swollen shut I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, do you need me to come home? And I was like, I don't know. I have, I don't know what to do. I'm so, this is so weird. I was 19 years old or whatever. Yeah. Tw- maybe 20. Like it, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And my, went ended up going to the urgent care, took a bunch of steroids right. and whatever, got it taken care of. And then I obviously didn't wear a fake beard for the show. We right. did right. whatever, something else, but <laughs> it was so fucking weird and i yeah every once in a while having crazy i tried some stuff called nerd wax Mm -hmm. which is some stuff you put on your glasses that keep them from sliding down your nose right and same fucking reaction found out i was allergic as fuck to that so that lasted for a few days yeah so that's that story Mm -hmm. didn't think i'd get into that story on this podcast but here we are you like that story ray bradbury Uh, tandeline wine 
Mm-hmm. I was a professor. It's amazing. Best performance that that school ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not some something that you'd be embarrassed <laughs> to talk about in your forties and brag about to a bunch of strangers. Ray brag about. <laughs> Did you try to do Bragberry? Ray Bragberry? Was that what? No, genuinely, were you? T- <laughs> This makes my editing job really hard. <laughs> Keep it in. It's perfect. <laughs> Continue with the summary, please. Do you, do you want to get a clean take on Ray Bragberry? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Continue with the summary, please. Are you going to get more wine? No. Oh. I mean, yeah, but not right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. I'm still talking about rabbits. <laughs> Okay, I, I want to talk about rabbits at some point, but not this moment. Okay, so she's, um, so the sex worker is watching this rabbit show. They, <laughs> you know, if you had to edit this podcast, you would not be walking across the room and then yelling. <laughs> I just realized, I, just, I didn't realize we didn't even, we haven't even been introduced to Laura Dern yet. <laughs> 41 minutes. <laughs> um, All right. So they speak, these rabbits, they speak in cryptic statements. Love that. Um, a gramophone plays Axon N, which is, quote, the longest running radio play in history. Is that what that means? Because that's what's written on the door that she goes into several times. I saw in, that. In very I... clearly David Lynch's, like, artistic handwriting. Oh, is that... Yeah. Obviously. Well, he loves <laughs> Sorry, those, I'm like, such a fucking idiot. Big spaced out letters with like tiny little O's mm. and stuff like that. Like interesting. I didn't I had never heard of that. I didn't know what that meant. I I my th- initial take was it had something to do with cuz it's the first when you see her go in it had something to do with action and calling action in mm. a film and this is the start of the film part of like she's entering the film world. Sure. And this is action, but spelled it weird to make it cryptic. That actually makes a lot. I'm just doing a but, quick Google search. But that on was it. just my weird take on it. Yeah, action. Well, there's some sort of. Uh, what is this? Manufacturing? A software development company that's really fucked Exxon's oh, yeah. S- SEO, if I want to just look up the word. Um, but apparently their stocks are doing well, so that's good to. Good know. job, guys. Um, it's called Yay, the longest. The, uh, it's called the the longest running radio play in history. Hmm. End of that section, as far as okay. Wikipedia is concerned. Hey, I mean credit to Wikipedia because I didn't put any emphasis on yeah. what that meant more than anything. And yeah, they, I kept, they I, clear, that took some some fucking level of research. Yeah, I kept, every time I saw Axon, I really wanted it to be a palindrome. Or like, oh, it's something written about like a red rum thing. Yeah, yeah. And it never was. Every time I was like, I'm going to figure it out this time. Maxa. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it all out. The entire movie. Or just like a word jumble. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, Oxon. Well, that's where I was like, oh, action. It sounds like action. It sounds Which like I think is a really interesting take. But it, I like that a lot. Yeah. But I mean, Axon N is obviously made up. So it's probably whatever. Yeah. Exxon. Meanwhile, Los Angeles. Actress Nikki Grace. 
auditions for the lead Lordern auditions for the lead role in the film on high excuse me on high in blue tomorrows that sentence every time I saw or that Mm -hmm. title rather every time I saw it or somebody said it I was like that is so fucking clunky I can barely stand it and I'm I'm, on high in blue tomorrows yeah it's a weird doesn't make any sense it's really long it doesn't also I'm, I'm curious about that description because we never see her audition for okay anything. that's actually why i stopped reading because i thought i in my head i was like did we see her do the audition yeah i don't think so okay i don't think so either we the, we know she's up for a role because the grace Zabriskie character who's a right creepy weird eastern Love european neighbor the, who in the laura's ghost book does an interview and talks about how Lynch was basically just like, yeah, just do an accent. Okay, what accent? Just an accent. <laughs> and so her accent is like not Polish. Oh, it's, it's nothing. It's not Czech. It's not Russian. But it's elements of all of them. Right. It's all this like Eastern European mm-hmm. style, oh, I mean, but to- like doesn't actually sound like anything, which is really pretty fucking creepy oh i didn't find that especially oh i feel like like to me it felt like the type of like it 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 not being a specific accent put her at a point where like she's not placed in time of like accents have evolved so much over the last Mm. thousands of years that like she doesn't she she's so she's not pinpointed to a single time oh yeah that didn't I don't know. That didn't trigger for me at all. Yeah. Which doesn't mean I'm wrong, but like, I think also, well, also you're, you grew up with a lot of people with Polish accents. Right. Yeah. My, my mom is, yeah. yeah. My entire Which your mom doesn't have an accent, is, but her, all of her siblings Polish. do. Polish. Yeah. Very Polish. Yeah. Um, same with me. My great, excuse me, my grandparents were all first generation Americans. So yeah. They my, all were my like. My grandparents barely spoke English. Yeah. Right. Um. And so, like, I knew my grandfather spoke Italian. I think my grandmother speaks Italian still. I don't know how much she knows. <laughs> Certainly my dad's parents didn't speak any foreign language. They were both German and Irish. So, you know, that didn't. Mm-hmm. But anyway, all that's to say is that none of that clocked with me because I didn't recognize that it wasn't a specific accent. Because yeah. I am... To me, Eastern European accents sure. all kind of blend in together. Mm-hmm. I'm not good. Like you're better at identif- like identifying Polish, eh. but you can he- usually you can clock that it's Cer- like oh this sounds like Polish versus Czech, right? Or no, no? Polish and Czech are very similar. Are they? So no. those I would have a, a hard time with. Like, I mean, you get into like Russian or Serbian or yeah, like that maybe a little more so, but like not really. But there's certain things like. They said talk a lot, which is yes. You know what I mean? Mm. And I'm like, that's... In Polish? Yeah, that's a Polish... But it also might be Czech. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? A lot of those languages are so similar sure. that like... Yeah, yes could oh, be like the Spanish same. and Italian yeah, are the, similar roots. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's it's hard to say, but well, and I her was, accent is not a, a, a genuine... Like, sure. It's not a... Is she just... Because so, like, sometimes it's like... Like she hits like the W's instead of V's and mm-hmm. things like that, which is very Polish or Czech. At but what then, point like, does she go chick, chick, chick? That's yeah. <laughs> it. As you're a rounders deep bit, cut Michael. rounders bit there for for all you big rounders fans. <laughs> uh, 
which of course is Russian. Of in he, yeah, but he said Czech and also said it with a Russian accent, Russian uh, yeah. Eastern European accent. Yeah. Okay, let's. Okay, we need to be Teddy KGB. We. <laughs> that's his name in the movie. That's John Malkovich's character, Teddy KGB. That's his name. No, that's it's what his they nickname. Call him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we have to move on. We simply cannot talk about accents anymore. Um, okay, so we know that we know so. Uh, Grace Zabriskie walk, comes in this palatial home oh, yeah. that that Laura Dern is living, which in. is a I and don't remember very, what it is, but it's a famous it is home. Um, it's like a like famous location. Yeah, I, I don't like even 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 if you said the name, I don't know it, but I know it's like a famous location. Do of you? Sorts. Sorry, I'm skimming through this. Do you know what uh, David Lynch used to edit this movie? Probably Adobe Premiere or something like Final Cut Pro. Final Cut Pro, yeah. Isn't that what you use? I use Adobe Premiere. Oh, do you? But oh, why did I think you use Final, Final Cut, Cut Pro? Is is the more Mac friendly version? Oh, I see. I see. I see. Like it's it, Final Final Cut. It, but but this is this is 2006. This is this is very much the era of home filmmaking, mm-hmm. and Lynch is very much at the forefront of that. And I think that's something to be said for this movie because prior to this, everything was done on Avid. Or prior to that, Steenbeck, which was... Real to real. Real to real, actual like cutting and splicing film and shit. But pretty much everything was done on the various elements of Avid. Avid Media Composer was the main video editor. Mm-hmm. And then there was various... Um, you know, at smoke and things like that, which were like color correction and and different avid components. But Final Cut was the first one that was like, you know what, you can put this on people's fucking home computers. Yeah. And Av- Final Cut Pro and Adobe Premiere were the f- were the home computing versions of video editing, nonlinear video editing, and that was the biggest thing is. Now that you can film in in digital, mm-hmm. all you need is a firewire to plug it into your computer. Mm-hmm. Boom, and yeah. so that makes absolute sense sure. that like he would edit on something that, yeah, this this looks like a fucking student film. It hundred percent <clears throat> does. Um, Nikki Grace's home is the historic uh, Dony D O H E N Y Dony. Yeah, I guess. It, yeah. Dony Mansion at the downtown Los Angeles campus of Mount St. Mary's College. So, yeah, it's a mansion. Yeah, it's some type of historical location. I, I'm ha- not familiar with what it is or what its significance yeah, is. It has but a it's... very, like, 18th, or 19th century yeah, sure. feel of, like, oh, this is the parlor, and we'll pass mm-hmm. through to the sitting room. Like, Yeah, there's very... there's seven seven different rooms that are designed to just sit in. Sit and talk yeah. for different conversations, Yeah, though. exactly. Why don't we retire to the whatever fucking study here? I've been reading a bunch of books by um, Talia Shire. No, I can't think of her last name. Hilbert. Hibbert. Hibbert. Talia Hibbert. Dr. Hibbert. Like Dr. Hibbert. That's why I remember it. Uh, (laughs) And and one of the, this is so a non-thing, but one of the ones I just finished, there's like a rich pair of kids confronting their shitty parents. Okay. And the parents accept them in the, in their parlor or whatever mm. and the character is like when I sat down I knew I was in trouble because this is mother's least favorite parlor <laughs> it's just 
Yikes. Honestly, if you like romance novels, Talia Herbert has been a lifesaver for me. She just writes really fun, lovely, super horny books, which I'm just really into. Uh, anyway, so we're in her house. Grace Zabriskie bops in, and she's like, hey, what's up, nerds? I'm your new next-door neighbor. But she's pretty, like, uh, soft about details of where she lives. She's like, oh, sure. you know, the pretty house? Oh, I know that house. Mm, you can't see it from the street. You don't know what house I'm talking about. And is the entire time shot right up on her nose with a really, really short lens. Okay. And so she looks skewed the entire... Laura Dern, not so much out the gate. Eventually she does... bananas. <laughs> yeah. Eventually she does get that same short lens treatment, mm-hmm. big, wide, fisheye looking thing. Mm-hmm. But for most of it, not so much. Right. And and Zabrisky look, and then you realize that this, this is a theme throughout the entire movie. Everyone gets this short lens treatment, and so, it's wild. It's such a bizarre look. So, all right. Um, I think there's two conversations I want to have about this particular scene because I really, really, really like it. This is a great it. scene. Great and scene. And I think if if Inland Empire can be figured out. This is the scene to do it. This is, this is your toolbox. You know what I mean? This is all of your clues. Everything you need to figure out this movie is in this scene. Um, I just, yeah. You know what? <laughs> you know what I was thinking of throughout this whole movie was, so she, so Grace Bristy comes in. She's like, oh, I'm a neighbor. Who doesn't have a name. Doesn't have a name. Yeah, she's, she's called visitor like, number one is, yeah. is how she's credited. Um. She bops in and she's like, just moved to town. I'm, I want to meet all of my neighbors. And, and so there is a few things I really like. One thing I love, and I think David Lynch does especially well, mm-hmm. is a scene between two people where one is trying to maintain propriety and good manners mm-hmm. and the other person is using that as a a weapon to hmm. because so essentially and what what clock what what made this click for me was at one point and we'll we'll talk through the conversation they had but when she said oh was was there a murder in this movie and she and Grace and uh, Lauren said no there's no murder in this movie that I auditioned for and, and Grace and, like I don't think that's part of the story or like that yeah. is exactly that's not part of this story or um, there is mar- there is a marriage theme but I I, g- I guess that could be part of it so but like, that I was obsessed yeah. with because yeah, that yeah. is such a and and I love that David. Because to me, that's an especially feminine thing to do is never push. If somebody says something, you your answer is never no. Your mm. answer is, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I can see where you're coming from on that. Sure. Um, I wouldn't necessarily sure. agree with that because women generally are kind of told, like, you have to be polite, feeling everything, even and especially when there's a woman older than you in your house. Mm-hmm. You are her hostess. Um, but... She said, Grace Brisky says, is there murder in it? No, 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 no. That's not part of the story. Like he said, no, I think there's like a big fucking scary murder or whatever she says. Brutal. And, and she did like, she does drop voice drops yeah. and like brutal And like locks murder. in her eyes. So good. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's the moment when Laura Dern says like, I don't like the way you're talking to me. Um, 
I think maybe it's time for you to go. And like those kinds of things of somebody trying to maintain propriety in the face of somebody who doesn't play by their rules, I always find really interesting because there is a a sense of, I think, in upper crust world that your good manners are your shield of nobody is going to intrude too much. It's also very Midwestern. Super Midwestern, correct. I think it's Midwestern and rich people of like, oh yes, yes, you're here. You're my guest. I'm never going to kick you out that would be I don't very rude yeah. don't want to make waves meanwhile so. you're over there thrashing around making right. the fucking tidal waves right. yeah so that I adored yeah. the 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 dichotomy of that and the what, strength my, of her character to be her, to not uh, Laura Dern's character mm-hmm. to not be like just keep going with it and yeah. let her finish her thing and yeah. then eventually she'll leave she puts a line in the sand that says no this is the part where you've crossed it. I don't like how you're speaking. Right. You're weird. I don't like you. You should probably go. And is polite about it. Right. But yeah. Right. Um, so that is that part. I, I truly enjoyed this scene mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. that standpoint. However. <laughs> also, it's there's a really interesting thing that like you get into close up, reverse close up, close up, reverse close up. And it just keeps going back and forth like that. Like doesn't, there's no uh, visual. Like no matter who's talking, it, well, it just pops back and forth. It just, But it's like there's no visual variety. Oh. So this scene goes on for a while. And it never, it's. it's Because he got no coverage. Normally in a scene like that, you what, get coverage, you get your two but shot. But it it's so intimate that he's just in their faces the entire mm-hmm. time. And it isn't. Oh well, let's because because it, le- it like it leads me to believe a lot of these scenes were shot. Boom, 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 boom. Let's go. Like in a, like oh, not let's set up this shot. We got to relight for this. Like so much of us, he had this freedom to just like mm-hmm. live inside. I don't. Know, it's interesting. No, it is interesting, but I, I do think it failed in a lot of ways because he was so dedicated to doing this in your face shot thing i think it's it failed because it was three hours long i think you could have dealt with that for an hour and 50 minutes mm. i think i i don't know no, mm, uh, maybe you're right i, I think I, i'm trying to think yeah. of like what made me like mentally tired watching this like because there was a point that i was at one point I was on my phone and I knew something was happening on the TV and just like I could not get myself to yeah. look because I knew it would be like, all right, what the fuck is happening? It's, Try to figure this out, it's, just, it's also just And think of something interesting to say about it on the podcast. So, so much of this movie takes place inside a character's head, mm-hmm. character's head. So it should be shot close up. Like the location is bullshit like it's it's almost matrix like the location isn't real mm-hmm. so why would i get coverage of wide shots and medium shots and that establish a location and an environment because think- there is no fucking environment this is all fucking yeah. mental this yeah. entire movie is in a headspace yeah i think you're right and i think that's the idea is if i shoot the entire thing right up in people's fucking eyes like mm-hmm. half the time you don't see the bottom of their chin mm-hmm. or above their eyebrows mm-hmm. like it's wild. It's yeah. yeah. All right. Um, okay. So Nikki's visited by this Polish woman, claims to be a neighbor. The woman tells Nikki, quote, an old tale. 
um, that is as followed. A boy, uh-oh, somebody's busting out bottle number two. It's a crazy Sunday night. Hello. <laughs> Was that a Pinot Noir? Yeah. Had a rosé earlier. Uh <laughs> did, they, did they just claim Zabriskie is Polish? They did. Interesting. Okay, so the old tale goes as follows. And I did not, honestly, as, as fiercely as I was paying attention to this part, I didn't clock well, she this. Tells she tells two variations or whatever. Right, and I... One about a boy, one about a girl. Didn't understand either of them. Okay. I'm trying to... Which is interesting because it feels like that's a big clue for figuring out this movie. All right. So the tale goes as follows. A boy passed through the doorway into the world, causing a reflection that gave birth to evil that followed him. Then she tells, quote, the variation. A girl was lost in the marketplace, quote, as if half born, while the alley behind the marketplace was the way to the place. The woman pred- Okay, so it's not that <laughs> it's not that I wasn't paying no attention. <laughs> it's that it's garbage. It's nothing. Nothing means anything. What the fuck are we talking about? I do love the um <laughs> That's quite a segue. The as if half born I thought was yeah. really evocative. Loved that a whole lot. Also made me throw but back I, to like a an eraser head like that but I think monster so baby. So much so much of this second story is Laura Dern's story. Like, as if half-born. She's half a... Like, I feel like she's so lost in all of the characters she's played to the point where she doesn't... Her real-life persona doesn't exist anymore. That's that's who I think this person is. I see. Is a person who doesn't have an identity anymore Mm -hmm. because she's gotten so fucking lost in all of her characters. Then... She mentions the alleyway, which is the moment when this movie shifts and where you check out is right after the scene where she's walking down the alley, mm-hmm. walks in, goes into the stage under the axe-in door, mm-hmm. goes in, goes into the sets. That's when Thoreau comes over, sees them in the set, and there's two Lord turns. There's yeah, the yeah. one sitting at the reading and uh, the one in the set. That's at the end, though. That's a third mm-hmm. act reveal, I mm-hmm. thought. That's 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 the that's the start of the second act. Oh, because then she goes and gets lost in that world, uh. and then that's where she ends up in the the weird house with all the women. Yeah, and then that's when you go on this whole thing about the Polish world, and then the third act is like on the streets of Hollywood. Okay, that I remember. Yeah, with Terry Crews. Sure. Yeah. Nine nine. Uh, okay. Um, right. So, but like. I think a lot of this is setting up that descent of hers. And I I don't know. I don't I think can I say an absolutely. ongoing thing that I feel like you and I, you and I have had the the same conversation about a handful of Lynch's movies that I think think a lot of his movies I like a lot more in theory than I do mm-hmm. sitting and watching them mm-hmm. and I am sitting here as I am talking trying to decide what that means about my opinion of David Lynch and I 
think it is that he generally needs a Mark Frost to be at his best. Whether it's Mark Frost or a Mark Frost type of mm-hmm. like, I think he needs somebody who's a little more like straight edge, for lack of a better term, sure. to like, yeah, be weird as much as you want. But like, we want to get from point A to point B in a way that is I, somewhat yeah. linear, like th- in I the think, neighborhood of being linear. I think the difference is David Lynch doesn't give a shit about his audience. David Correct. Lynch wants Correct. what's in his head to be put out on the canvas, on the screen, on the whatever. David Lynch, that's that's all he fucking cares about. Mark Frost will come in and say, let's make this fucking sellable. Yeah. Which and, I, I and, don't want to say that Mark Frost isn't a great writer and a good artist. In and out of, he is not the commercial 100%. guy who's 100%. like, comes in wearing a suit and saying you gotta add sure. more dames in there or whatever. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think the same thing can be said for Sabrina Sutherland. Sure. Sure, um, sure, 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 sure. Who has been his producer, you know, most of his film career. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like that's I think the difference is I don't I just if you don't get it, I don't care. How do you you like that, don't you? Do you like that auteur? I I guess I, that's not really auteur. That's I, more non commercial art. Art, that's, art making. That's just straight artist. Art, yeah. And I Yes, you're right. I the difference is the difference is whether or not that's genuine. And I think David Lynch is a genuine artist who is trying to take what's in his mind, what's in his head, what's in his heart, what's in his body, Mm -hmm. and put it out in the best way that he can. Mm -hmm. If you like it, if you don't like it, I don't fucking care. That's not the idea. For me, it's cathartic to put this stuff out. Sure. That's what I'm trying to do. You deal with it however Mm -hmm. you want to deal with it. I don't care. I'm putting this out there. That's what I think David Lynch is, and I think it's genuine. I think these are his. That's why he's you know wants his final cut and wants his whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think there's a lot of quote unquote artists who hide behind that. As, oh well, I'm you don't get instead it's. Are you, you don't get it, but. That's just because you didn't get it. He's trying to get you to get it, but it was bad. And instead of and and your reaction is, "What the fuck was this about?" And they're like, "Oh, well, you just didn't get it. I'm an artist, and I'm to me, and I think people are like tend to hide behind that or make things weird for the sake of weird." Well, to me, that reeks of like a Jared Leto method actor acting thing. One hundred percent. Okay, I will give you. Yeah, That's Jared Leto, sort of I think, is I a great about. example of that. I think. Uh, I think very much Ryan Murphy is like that. Really? I think... Wait, wait, wait. I don't think any of his choices, like artistic choices and uh-huh. stuff and all of his programming makes any sense. It's just like, look at how fucking weird and vibrant and cool this is. But I don't think it adds... I don't think he has a real reason for it except for that it gives him... It gives it a... Quote-unquote Ryan Murphy look. It's an aesthetic that right. he's achieving. But I don't think it's genuine art. It, it, <sighs> it feels like it's... He did one thing, maybe genuine, and then he's been trying and to match it ever brand. since. That's 
an exa- just one example that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's many, many, many others. Yeah. But like that's I think the big difference is that Lynch genuinely doesn't care and yeah. wants to put out his art. Yeah. There's other people like that that are like, well, I have like I have a brand and I have to try to match that. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't know. Can I? Uh, oh boy, this is gonna be a long one. We're in an hour already. It's a three-hour movie. It's how it happens. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to put solid food in our body, yeah, like I know. soon. Um, can I ask you about the difference for you between a say a Ryan, which I'm not like a Ryan Murphy's stan. I like his eye. I really like his the look he usually goes to. Like I think Ratchet was a very good example of like. The show was fine, whatever. It was what it was. It was just gorgeous to look at. And I really like his look that he applies to things. I really like the look of a lot, sure. of, a lot of American Horror Story stuff. And that's I just fun. really like it a lot. Yeah. However, what, so the question I have for you is, what is the difference in your brain between a Ryan Murphy and a Wes Anderson who also puts out shit that is like, while artistic, not much, looks like... Wait, what? What? You said, "What's the difference?" I not much. I I put them in the exact exact same category. But you like? I like a lot of uh, Wes Anderson's earlier work, primarily because mostly because I mostly because of the dialogue. I think I think the is Wes Anderson a writer too? Does he write his shit usually? Um, although my favorite Wes Anderson movie was not written by Wes Anderson, so go figure. What, Battle Rocket? Um, uh, Life Aquatic. That wasn't written by Wes Anderson? Nope. That's very surprising. Um, and I, and I think the one he gets all of his, like, people love Grand Budapest Hotel, I think it's top to bottom garbage. Yeah, I, we've de- we, listen, we've definitely done your yeah, rant on Grand Budapest yeah. Hotel because I've said that was the first one I said. Leslie really like Listen. Sure. Ju- I, so and I'm, I, not, I'm yeah. not asking for like a breakdown on that, but I'm asking like whether or not it's like a Mikey Grive original thought or like people will people are critical of Ryan Murphy. Like all Ryan sure. Murphy shit looks like Ryan Murphy's shit. And like obviously people give Wes Anderson a hard time, but he's taken seriously as a capital A artist. Mm-hmm. And I guess... I don't understand what what is the difference between like this is my style, this is like how I see the world, this is how I feel versus that's yeah I am I mean, artificially trying to add my style. I I, I don't I'm understand. I'm not an art I guess. critic, so I I don't I a lot of it is stuff that's like intangible that I don't know how to explain explain. But I think when you when you you, David Lynch, break out of. He's constantly reinventing himself, I feel like. David Lynch? Yeah. I think you get, you know, okay. Let's go ahead through Eraserhead. Very David Lynch. Mm. Elephant Man. Not so much. There's elements, and you see his vision, you see ideas, and whatever breaks out of it then you get into like well then you get into like dune which wasn't anybody's vision truly um then you get into you know uh, uh 
I guess before that was Blue Velvet, but like Blue Velvet is also very David Lynch. It's edgy and weird and dark and whatever. Then you get into like really dark and in this industrial world of like Lost Highway or I guess Wild at Heart, which is a love like straight story is thrown in the middle of there. Like Ryan, I just. Like, like, the difference, I think, like, David Lynch's career built to this point where, like, Mulholland Drive is finally when the film world and audiences alike said, oh, shit, this guy is an artist, and this guy's got it. This guy, there's something there. He was nominated for an Academy Award for directing, which holy shit dude mm. like this guy's so out there like why like this movie was wild and then he was like i'm gonna follow that up with this project that i'm gonna film for several years with my friend laura on a fucking sony p150 that i happen to own mm-hmm. and that's gonna be my next like that's and then i'm gonna i'm just gonna call it after that i'm not gonna make another fi- like that kind of stuff is an artist to me like he's not always seeking out the next project i don't know like i can't oh boy like and then wes anderson i think is always trying to outdo the last movie to the point where he did and to the and to the point where he's a parody of himself now like i'll probably see the french dispatch french dispatch but like, oh, I didn't know he had. New yeah, he's got a new one. Just, just dro- started dropping the festival circuits now. Oh, okay. Um, but I'll probably see it because whatever. But like, what I like about Wes Anderson is his uh, dialogue, the dialogue and the interactions with characters and these quirky characters that get along in in these weird ways, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy that. Like, I don't. I don't know. I just I I can't put my finger on what it is, but there's something in Lynch's work that is smarter than me. And that's what I'm drawn to. I'm drawn to what you know that I don't. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you genuinely don't care if I ever figure it out. I love that. Hmm. I love that. I feel like it's the polar opposite of an M. Night Shyamalan who, if you don't get it, he will explain to you down to the fucking, like, frame of why it was different. I think Ryan Murphy, and I don't know enough about Ryan Murphy. That's the first thing that came to my mind, so I am i don't like being pigeonholed into a Ryan Murphy argument or whatever. But, like, it it's just so, bra- like, he's... Ooh, that's weird. Like that's that's I think all he's going for. Instead of like a genuine This is fucking weird. This is a thing that was in my head and I wanted to put it out. It's it's him just being like, "Oh, I'll do this. This will be weird and quirky." I don't know. I guess I don't understand the difference between those two things. Of oh, I have this Im- image and it's creepy and weird and blah versus 
I have a vision and it's quirky and weird, so I'll use it. I don't know. I guess I don't think I understand. I mean, also Ryan Murphy's output is is greater than David Lynch's. Like David Lynch has made ten movies and directed, sure. you know. <sighs> and Ryan Murphy's not also not a director for the most part. He's mostly a producer. Oh, I thought he was a director. I I, I, I think, like Mikey. I hate to say it. To me, all I got from your arguments is it's. I mean, it's. It feels like when we when we talk music and stuff like that too. You just understand that medium better. You know what I mean? So like when you're like, oh, this this song is so much more unique and clever, and I don't get it because it. Oh, why? Do you know? Uh, now you're looking at me like I'm. I I don't uh, understand. What you're, are you saying that I don't get? what you get about Lynch because you're a like my film the media, person the way the, I'm a music person? Yeah, kind of. But like I think I I'm drawn to a visual medium because I like when I was explaining while we were watching this movie of like I'm surprised he's so into digital because you look at this image and it's just not nowhere anywhere near where it could be within you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, well it's really kind of gray and pixelated and then it's yeah, I don't know what you mean. Like, you don't, you physically don't seem to be able to see those things. Whereas I physically cannot hear certain musical things that you can that are like, oh my God, this is amazing. But my, when I criticize Lynch or, or Ryan Murphy or who, whoever, I am not criticizing them on your blacks aren't rich enough or whatever. Like, yeah, I thought this movie looked like fucking garbage because it was, filmed on a pretty garbage camera. Um, but my criticisms of it are not, are like, yeah, like I, I, I said several times in the movie, like I don't like watching this. It's not pleasant to watch. But when I criticize Lynch movies, it's not because of technical shit. It's because of story shit. Because that's my, that's where I, I engage in movies. Um, so for that's a great example like that's Ryan Murphy is never going to tell a story that isn't linear that isn't going to make that isn't going to be uh, easily explained I don't need linear stories you know I don't need linear stories I I guess I feel like you're being combative but I don't know why I don't know what you're well I just feel like you kind of um, discounted my opinion on things because I don't have what opinion I feel like you just asked me mine so you it doesn't matter let's I don't want to do this well let's, no I, I'm just curious like I don't I, I don't you well you kind it just felt like the way you said oh you don't understand music as well because you don't have a like musical brain you don't understand the logistics of music but also you like a lot of music and so that doesn't matter and so to say, it, 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 to me, it felt like you were saying like you have a more sophisticated understanding of why this is good and that I don't have because I don't have the eye for it. No. When, when my criticism of movies is infrequently about framing and things like that, I notice things like that. But that when I don't like a movie, it's not because, oh, I thought it was like the technical aspects are bad. It's because the... The overall effect of the movie I did not like. I don't dig down into necessarily technical effects. And it felt like what you were trying to say was 
I have a different opinion about how movies are because I don't have a film background and I just disagreed with that sort of assertion. And whether he said it on purpose or not. I mean, I think what you just explained is exactly what I just said. Okay. Like, I I get moods and I get feelings and I get ideas from certain songs that hit me in, in the right way. I don't know why. I don't care. Like, I think... But if... When I'm enjoying a song, it's not like I'm like, ooh, this is a really neat. Mix. Not saying you are like that's the thing. I'm I'm just saying there's like there's subtleties that like you just it's hard to. I don't know. I I just there's there's. And that's, I mean that's been the debate that's never been answered is, art. Mm. the debate of art and what makes art good and like that's why every critique in every movie has or every art release has a super positive reaction and like right now I haven't we haven't seen Malevolent yet Mm -hmm. I'm hearing people rail on it Mm -hmm. as being absolute garbage and I've seen a lot of people whose you know film takes I appreciate and tend to agree with love it so I don't know. You know what I mean? That's the thing. It's art, but the the key is being able, like, is the art genuine? And that's not tangible. And sometimes it might feel like it is, and sometimes it might feel like it's not. But to me, a lot of Ryan Murphy, Ryan Murphy feels false. Okay. But that might just be his artistic take. But he just... He is just an example of someone I feel like is this will sell. People will like these colors. People will like this style and delivery. Mm. And I, I that feels a lot like a lot of projection. Maybe I'm not saying it's not, but that's what it feels like to me. Because yeah. like, to I, me, he has a really interesting kind of like low-key retro feel about him he has a color palette that he works i don't know i i just it's so funny because i absolutely like yeah i i just i i just disagree i guess Uh, and that's fine and that's fine that's art you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. okay the next day uh nikki finds out she gets this role that she had been talking to grace zabriskie about her husband piotrek piotrek Piotrek. I, yeah, I don't know. Piotrek, um, Peter Lucas. He is what she. So she's with a couple of girlfriends. Finds out from her agent Greg that she got the role, which we know his <laughs> name is Greg. Greg. Loved That's a great it. little scene. Loved yeah. it. Loved it. Um, and her weird, creepy husband is. Which is like, also a beautiful transition from the last scene with Zabriskie, where she's like, "Oh, tomorrow you'll be there." Because uh-huh. there's several clues that are dropped in that scene of like. Oh, like you might think it's nine forty-five, and it's actually after midnight. Did that? There's later in the movie. It's mentioned that it's nine forty-five at one point in Poland, and then at the scene with Terry Crews at the end, it's like, oh, what time is it? It's after midnight. Like, there's things like that. I don't know how they play necessarily, but they are called back. And then she says, like, oh, tomorrow it'll be. Right now, it'll be tomorrow, and you'll be over there. And she points to the chair, and she's sitting in the chair, and then she's there with her friends. I loved yeah. that scene. Loved and that that's, part. And then that's oh, when she that gets the so call, good. and then she's yeah. got the part. And it's, it's who is this fucking woman who's like, 
the puppet master right like controlling everything we don't know we never see her again exactly exactly um so she won the role um and then nikki meets the film's lead actor devin burke played by justin Theroux. i thought very well he he's i thought he was I great i love justin Theroux. he's I genuinely love boy justin oh boy Theroux. maybe some of the worst justin Theroux hair i've seen in a hot minute don't care love it oh uh, boy yeah um, yeah i the early odds were a rough time for all of us sure it's late aughts at this point now but oh six i would not call that late well, it's but, after 05, so... Well, they were filming it for three years, so... Oh. You got me there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but absolutely, like, there's... He's a man crush, for sure. Oh, totally. Well, he's, you, know, you know why? He's very handsome. Very charming, charismatic. The two and has th- not aged since this movie. <laughs> no, of course. His hairline is somewhat receded in a way that I can only applaud. <laughs> But it's all the rest of it is also thick and like pompadoured and like. Because you know what, the further back his hair goes, the more of his gorgeous forehead I can see. <laughs> um, okay, this says the two begin a relationship, which I did not. Cl- I, I mean, do they not start think that's an accurate. Cl- they start clicking. But I don't know the that they have like a-, a romantic relationship necessarily yet, but they are very clearly charismatic with each other well i mean two lead actors having chemistry with each other is generally considered pretty important to any given movie um so okay devin is warned by i i liked the scene a whole lot too when devin is warned that like hey she's off limits not regular person off limits her husband will murder you off limits. Yeah, man. This isn't like, oh, you'll get a fist shaken at you and be also, in the tabloids. Like, we've never really met her husband. Which we didn't. I, I we didn't, saw him like standing at the stairs and all even creepy. Then, we didn't know that yeah. was her husband. It's, yeah, it's super. It's all fucking weird. Um. Okay, so later during a rehearsal, and I liked this scene as well. Um. I I feel like I have a good grasp on like what a film set looks like. I have very little understanding of like the sort of pre-pro stuff that they do with actors, especially mm-hmm. like blocking and reading through the script and things like that. That's just not a part sure, of the scene sure. I, I understand. Um, so I really enjoyed watching this and yeah. like the little like uh, touch Justin Theroux's character gave of like to try to like ease the the tension. He says like, you don't have to, uh, you know, it's just a read through. Don't get in your yeah. head. All I expect is like an Academy Award nominated worth performance right now. <laughs> and like, oh, and it was a very yeah. like because she was this was as has been told by us many times. This is her comeback moment. Something happened. She was a star. She wasn't yeah. a star. This is her comeback moment. And he's and, so and you Justin can see throws. just in body language, he's really sitting low in his chair. He's really relaxed. This is Real just his next relaxed. project. Real relaxed. And she's very upright mm-hmm. and very proper. She's put together a yeah, lot more. She's her got hair's full done. Full makeup. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then you've got she's opposite Jeremy fucking Irons and Harry Dean Stanton. Like honestly. I, Jeremy Irons' performance in this was <sighs> so good. So good. I, that's I what Jeremy. I love is that like Thoreau gets Lynch, I think, but he at this time is still not. Even now, a lot of people wouldn't know who Justin Thoreau is. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern, 
Harry Dean Stanton and Jeremy Irons are three fucking people who you could be like, okay, like it are like the think- are like the counter to method acting of like no backstory, no character work. Come out, here's your fucking lines. Yeah, deliver a, a performance, yeah. and they will give you a fucking performance and be like and they don't have to mail dead squirrels to their co-workers (laughs) like and you'll be like oh my god this was so good and be like oh what was your backstory in this they're like i don't know i didn't come up with anything i just i mean i just pretended some shit it's like they're all three of them i feel like are people who were like i don't care what's happening Mm -hmm. i don't care what the outcome is Mm -hmm. if you want it to be more angry better better i will give you that and i will give you whatever the fuck you want Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter and i love that in I this. just I think it's really important for me to say right now that Jeremy Irons has a dog named Smudge and <laughs> Leslie and Jeff have met that dog and Aww. yeah oh, that's right. Jeff worked in a show what did a you work with oh, I genuinely have no idea that's right I forgot about but it, that this movie honestly made me I think I'm gonna watch the Borges again because oh, yeah. Jeremy Irons played I don't know if you know the uh, the do you know anything about the show or the real family the Borges I, no no Essentially, Jeremy Irons becomes the Pope and is like a ruthless cutthroat, I will do anything Mm -hmm. I need to do to get in charge. And so it's partially that, and it's partially how his uh, son and daughter fuck each other. Oh, all right. So like, you know, a really classic Catholic tale. But similarly, I saw this and I was like, I kind of want to watch The Watchmen again. (laughs) Oh, 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 the, the show. Yeah. I was thinking the movie. The oh no, he's in the yes, yes, show yes, 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 yes. Um, okay, so I, I genuinely really enjoyed him in this. I thought he played that. The moment that he really like, I was like, yeah, yeah, this guy fucking gets it. Was when he had that little speech that he gave in the little hotel suite or whatever uh-huh. it was of with this and with this and. Uh, <laughs> a great director I hope <laughs> I hope somebody's I, gonna say that about me is so good and his like self quote unquote self awareness of like you know I love to give speeches so here I go it's just so good who do you think he is well, like like I mean he, I don't he's think very I- clearly a semi pump like has earned the right to be a little bit pompous this is 2006 you said but he's also, you know, a little bit pretentious. Like, he can be pretentious. James Cameron. Yeah, but James Cameron would never do a character piece like this. James Cameron's thing is, like, big spectacle pictures. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I didn't I understand have- what I didn't understand what we were doing. I thought it was just like who is the guy who walks in a room and does like a speech about how we're oh. all going to do well, but really the aim of the speech is to say like how good I am. That seems to be a very James Cameron thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, do you have an idea? No, not right now. But I, I could. I mean, I could see this being like a Cassavetes or. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. He did like a woman under the influence and things like that. But like he does a lot of those or like a Noah Baumbach um esque person. I don't know. Sure. Anyway, I just was curious if there was anybody that jumped out to you as being like, Oh, this guy's me who has a really kinda, under- you know. a really deep understanding of the working methods of various directors. I don't know, you no. 
Um, so later during rehearsal, so this is this read through line, which I this read through. Who was Harry Dean Stanton? Was he? I assume an assistant, like AD. AD, yeah, okay. Assistant director. I I couldn't tell if it was like an assistant director or if it was just like yeah, or, his personal Jeremy Irons' personal. Yeah, it could be go, or go guy, just, go for or him. like you know, uh, uh, you know, yeah, some other yeah highish ranking casting director or somebody like that, right? But. Um, so that whole fucking scene where he's like asking them for money, super awkward. Oh my. God. And then later you see him asking like the the smaller members of crew. So bad. Oh, I oh, hated so it. Um. So there's this rehearsal, and all of a sudden something happens. All of a sudden, Harry Dean Stanton looks up and he says, "Who's that?" Out of nowhere, and we and see they nothing. They try to shut him down too. Like Irons is like, "Yeah, hey, they're they're in a thing. Yeah, yeah. I want to see this." And try to stop him. Yeah. Um. But. So, um, Devin gets up to investigate and he ends up at this like facade of a house, Mm -hmm. like a set piece of a house, tries to open the door, doesn't open. To me, it was unclear whether there's actually anything behind that door or if it's just a flat. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I think I was not meant to understand that. So I assume. Well, the, the idea is he heard her go in that, or she heard, he heard whatever that was, go into that door. Right. And so he tried to follow, but right. the door didn't open anymore. Right. Um, which made me think, oh, this is just like something they throw up on the back of a set to like sure. fi- fill sure. it in instead of anything, you know, it's just a painted on door kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so he finds nothing. He comes back and uh, Kingsley Stewart is his name. <laughs> what? A name Kingsley Stewart. Those are two royal names. Like, how dare That's, you? Kingsley is the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Um. And so at this point, he uh, Jeremy Irons says, "I need you to know, this is actually a remake." And from, <laughs> I really liked the first hour of this movie. I yeah. I want to be very yeah. clear. I My commentary. I, I feel and, the same way. My commentary and opinions are going to drop off very soon, but I loved this thing of, I loved David Lynch's take on this sort of Hollywood machine of, it was It feels like a sister piece to Mulholland Drive, this, this first well, hour. Well, you said it was the, the three L.A. trilogies, was this? Uh, people lost, have called it that, yeah. but that's just because he makes three movies in L.A.-ish, but this really feels like a, almost like a darker shadow image of Mulholland Drive like in a way but anyway um so Jeremy Iron oh so Jeremy Irons admits that it's it's a remake and um and Justin Thoreau says not not how could you lie to me or this isn't whatever what he says is I would never have done a remake yeah. So it has nothing to do with oh the script is bad or I'm changing my mind because whatever. It's just the just on principle I would never yeah. have done a remake, which I thought was like a really weird response of not you lied to me about the script or like yeah. what did I miss of oh I don't do remakes like that kind of thing. Which I I thought it was a very sincere. Mm-hmm. If you're a Hollywood star and you're like I'm sorry I'm doing what 
Yeah. Anyway, which I think people are really precious about that kind of thing anyway, because I think remakes can be very good. They can be, but they... But also, I think there's, like, Lynch... Lynch is one of those two that does a really good job, I think, of homaging really well. Like, Mm -hmm. there's definite influence of the things that he liked. You know, all your Wizard of Oz's and Vertigo's and all those things that he likes that mm-hmm. come back into all of his films very 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 specifically right but they're not straight up remakes but like oh they're kind of remakes and in, in some aspect right i think that and that's also kind of what they explained it's not the same title it was a czech movie that never got made german but yeah german movie that never got made mm-hmm. like it's it's interesting and i think he's just making a statement on those kinds of things mm-hmm. of like i i would be willing to bet he would he probably like was casting mulholland drive and was like think of vertigo ish and they were like no 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 fuck you i don't want to do vertigo again mm-hmm. you know what i mean i don't know i just there's a cynicism there that i am attracted to mm-hmm. um <clears throat> So we learn that this this uh, movie is called Forty Seven, or it's called Four Seven, I think, if I remember it, right. They it was because he says I, I don't speak German, but he says Four Seven in four German. Seven. He doesn't say Forty Seven, right. which I don't know how German language works. So maybe right, you know, exactly. It's, how do you say eighty or whatever in French or ninety? <laughs> yeah, the, it's it's like four twenties and a ten or yeah. whatever. Like that German is an absurd yeah, language. is ninety nine or whatever. Like it's an absurd language, and anybody who speaks it should be ashamed. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um. So both leads on this production were murdered. And there were rumors that the film was being cursed. He went a little deeper into it, but that was sort of the the sure. the, the, the gist of it. Um, and it was never finished. And it was never finished. So it's not really a remake because it was never really finished. Yeah, so. it's not. Yeah, he didn't lead with his smartest line, I think. Right. Um, so one day, Nikki finds a door uh, marked Axon. So it's A-X-X-O-N space capital N. Tiny little O. Axon N. In an alley behind the set. Upon entering, she finds herself in the rehearsal weeks before and she causes the noise that Devin investigated right. that day. Nikki escapes into the home of the character named Smithy. Devin looks through the windows but only sees darkness. I did really like this scene of this her banging right. on the, the windows trying to get back to Devin and him like with his eyes yeah. around the... And then, and then, and then on the, the counter of that, at one point she walks out and there's like a whole yard... That she I walks love. around and is like, what is this? And then goes back into the house. Like, let's let's go back real quick, too, because I think we walk, glossed over, like, that great little scene of, like, the talk show that they were on with Diane Ladd, who's, again, oh, Laura Dern's mother. Oh, That's the yeah. same woman from, from Wild at Heart. Um, and that whole weird thing. And then out of fucking nowhere for no reason... William H. fucking Macy. With a 20-second cameo? Yeah. Like. So weird. At this point, William H. Macy has already done, like, Boogie Nights and Magnolia and, like, Fargo. Like, mm. William H. Macy is. A movie star. A fucking movie. Yeah. Like, why the fuck did he do this? Which, LOL, William H. Macy look, looks like an amalgamation of all the white men in America. Oh, for sure. He's, <laughs> that's why he's so good in Fargo. 
Like, but still, like, it's so bizarre. This whole. Yeah. I, oh, yay, yay. Oh, yay, yay is right. Okay, so in the house, Nikki finds Piotrek. I'm assuming that's how I would say it with a dope Polish accent. Um, sure. I'm just mimicking things I've heard yeah, before. Legit. Um, so she finds it in Nostrovia. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Um So she finds him in bed and hides from him in a closet where she encounters, this says a troop of prostitutes. I'm going to say a group of women. <laughs> I, well, you, you do... To some extent, learn later that they were streetwalkers at the end of, like, the the same group of women that are on the Hollywood Boulevard. I don't think that's their defining factor. <laughs> but... I would say their defining factor are being very good dancers and knowing all the words to the locomotion. Legit. <laughs> and that is amazing. Mm, very good. And so baffling. So weird. And I'm confounded and... I love absolutely every frame of it. Of course, because it's so good. Also, I want to... I, the moment before before they break into the actual song, I don't remember what they say, but the two girls look at each other and they say like, come on, baby. And they both snap together and you're like, what I the fuck was that? And then it's like, like 20, minute, 20 seconds later, then they burst into the actual whole fucking song and you're like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. It's so wild, and I love very, it. Very, very good. I don't know what it means. I don't care. Yeah. I just wanted, I was mesmerized by it. Totally. Um, so these women, they advise her to burn a hole through silk with a cigarette and look through the hole. Right. So. Did that mean anything to you? It, the Okay. Yes and no. Great. Yes in that. Yes and no, the Cooper Duper story. You see. <laughs> <laughs> you see her then do those things. She burns the hole yes, in it, whatever. She looks through it, and then you see her pull away and stop looking through it. Everything that happens between those moments of her looking through it and not looking through it mm-hmm. is basically the second act. Almost all oh. of the stuff that happens in Poland is between I mean there's teasers of it on both ends and whatever but most of that second act where we're like what the fuck is actually happening here and how does it relate to anything Mm -hmm. is between those two moments okay what does that mean don't know exactly but I but they're bookended in such a way that this is either you know this is some type of thing that She's seeing this in her mind. This is a pinhole camera, and she's watching, yeah, like I, a an old Nickelodeon almost. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Well, and that's kind of exactly what it feels like. It feels it, like old yeah. school movies, right? That right. You just see three or four different vignettes sure. or whatever that don't necessarily sure. have, you know, aren't, aren't connected. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, so. But you could almost take those two moments, like, cut that section out, and I don't know that it would have changed this movie all that much. I think that was, ultimately, by the end of the movie, I think that was my biggest frustration point. Is that baffling. That's it. Yeah. And not even just baffling, but, like, I mean, listen, we both know there is a brand of baffling that is, like, 
I don't know, this guy's doing some weird shit and Love like it. whatever. Yeah. It's entertaining, but str- I don't understand it, but I am entertained by yeah. it, which I think I would argue the entire first act of this for me and not for, for a lot of people, the blurry faced people and then watching the weird rabbit head guys, mm-hmm. like a hundred percent, a lot of people are going to like tap out sure. there. I am willing to take that ride. Sure. I am sure. pretty sure. willing sure. To, to take the weird lynch ride. But when it gets to this whole Poland thing and they're sort of not they're all saying like five word phrases at each other and they don't even like talk about it being Poland we just happen to recognize those accents and I just I saw it and I was like this looks like Warsaw to me I don't know if it is but like I was like it's either Warsaw or Logan Square Chicago (laughs) like it had the same architectural feelings to it yeah but but they they don't establish it as a location in any way and whether I don't know, it's. I just, don't think I'd have even locked in that it was Poland. If they, they weren't speaking Polish, no. If I did not now have in-laws who spoke Polish and it's a language sure. I hear a lot, I wouldn't have clocked that as being Polish. I would say uh, it's, it's the same way this uh, Grace is Zabriskie's. It's yeah. foreign, whatever Eastern something Eastern European. Yeah. It's nich nich. Like that's all it is. Yeah. Um. So I, I just. I guess that's the thing is like when we talk I want boy I wanted this move I want this movie to have been hey Laura Dern let's go like make a weird Mm -hmm. movie together and like and and all of the Laura Dern stuff is fantastic is they did exactly that she is a glorious actress she shows so much expression she's like so unguarded and Mm. seems to have such like a good heart behind there i cannot explain all of it maybe (laughs) it's just that i've seen jurassic park genuinely probably 50 (laughs) times and just she felt like a kind of maternal figure when i was 12 Mm -hmm. or whatever i don't know but like she can do no wrong to me i think she's an extraordinarily extraordinary performer i just and I think I think over the last couple of years she's starting to get that. She's recognition. getting the credit that she but I, has I, always deserved. I've yeah, I don't understand why she wasn't always because she was doing shit like this. You know, Meryl Streep and Laura Dern, like the way Meryl Streep is like, oh, everyone says yeah. who's the greatest actress of all time. Everyone's gonna say Meryl but Streep. In the years that Meryl Streep is doing Sophie's Choice, Laura Dern is doing this bananas thing that like. My parents saw Cho- Sophie's Choice. They're going to watch fucking Inland sure, Empire. Like, sure. when you talk about the quote-unquote the greatest actors of all time, it's not necessarily that. It's generally more the most per- pervasive sure. and and yeah. good actors. Yeah. And you have to have both of those things. Really hitting these, like, really dramatic, you know, your big little lies and your marriage stories. I think your- those two, even beyond the Star Wars thing, mostly because men were really mad that she had purple hair or whatever about Star Wars. They were? Oh, honey. Yeah, I mean, I know men are, baby. men are awful. and baby. I didn't realize that was a thing they were mad about. Oh, they were mad that we had to, like, oh, so this captain just has purple hair. Like, they're genuinely angry about it. It was fucking. I'm just, this is why I don't trust any men. I know, and I'm sorry on behalf. No, I. No, you say, I accept your apology. I will say I'm sorry, but I don't want to say on behalf of all men because I don't want to apologize for these assholes. <laughs> like, 
they're um, the worst. No, I think Laura Dern is going to be a generational star. I think if she got her due later than she, she deserved. She uh, agreed, agreed, and especially since she started young, 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 young. She was a young actress. Yeah, yeah. and also the fact that she's like. Hollywood royalty to some extent like her both of her parents sure, are in. Sure. so that's always yeah, easier yeah, like yeah. oh yeah she's Diane such a good Lynn actress and, and, yeah Bruce Stern yeah right, for right. sure uh, okay anyway boy did you say Diane Lane Diane Ladd I thought you said Diane Lane I was like baby yeah, there's it's wild no way her, so her <laughs> mother's the younger age. than her but, which is weird <laughs> I know but oh yeah yeah okay oh boy yeah um, she was conceived on the set of streets on fire a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> streets of, fi- of fire or on fire doesn't matter who cares okay uh closet silk cigarette hall uh nikki complies and sees one of the film's characters doris side played by julie orman Tell a policeman that... Oh, I really liked this scene, too. Mm-hmm. Tell a policeman that she had been hypnotized by a man known as the Phantom to murder someone with a screwdriver, but finds the screwdriver embedded in her own side. What a great reveal. What a great scene. Are you kidding me? A confession scene? I murdered somebody. How did you murder them? I stabbed them with a screwdriver. Oh, my God. I have the screwdriver in me. Yeah. Great. Great. This is classic Lynch shit. Yeah, this is this what is, I am living yeah. for when I see a Lynch movie. It and is ju- the... And again, another great actress who like, why did she do this? Like, such a small... She's in this and like two other quick moments. Yeah. And like, she, yeah. Was she the one who I thought was Michaela Watkins? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought a lot of people were... I had real white lady face face blindness Yeah, she's. Today. A, I mean, she's a British actress. You've recognized... like. Uh, one of her bigger roles, she's in uh, Benjamin Button. What was um, I love that movie. She's the daughter in the hospital room. <gasps> yes, yes, yes. Um, Liz, I, <laughs> it's okay. Just quick sidebar from whatever we're doing. I've been re-listening to, um, to the Flophouse from the beginning. Um, and they started that show in like 2009. So it is a, no, 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 excuse me, 2007, I think. They started that show a long. They were just waiting for. In the Empire to exist. And yeah, exactly. Like, now like, we can we kick it, it off. Um, and, and two of the guys are like, uh, Daily Show. It doesn't matter. Um, but it's been fun listening to it because they do the like year end wrap ups. Hey, Oscars are coming up. What, what, what. And it's really fun to hear what, 12, 14 years later, like the movies that they were like stoked about that didn't hold up. And the movies are like, oh, fuck this shit. And I think it's Dan McCoy, but I'm, I might have to double check on that. All he, when they're talking about like, oh, what are your, they had a whole Oscars episode. What are mm-hmm. your Oscar predictions? Whatever. And just every time he was like, better than fucking Benjamin Button and like shit like that. Of just like they hated that movie? Hated it. Really? Hated it. Hated it. Which a lot of people did. I think it was, I, it was popular to hate. It was very cool to hate. There was a lot of community also has a line of like digging on Benjamin Button. I love that fucking I, movie. I think it's great. I like it. I, I think it's, it, to me, it's in the same vein as like Titanic. How could you do that to me? What do you mean? What does that mean? I will because Titanic is, I hate it. I, or do you? No, I, I do no, hate it. I, really I think, do I think hate it's, it. it's a movie that gets a little bit lost in its own technology. I just, and I think, I, I think know. some of the character work doesn't quite resonate because 
they're too focused on yeah. or, or or the the visual effects are distracting <laughs> and things like that and it and it become like that's you know a little bit of like the James Cameron effect of like sure. I'm spending more time focusing on the technical side of things that the performances and the character work suffers. So I think because of I think yeah. you said two different things. I think one is they focus too much on the technology and character work or script or whatever suffered versus I found the technology distracting because I think those are two really different things. Because I understand I can't focus on this without thinking it's Brad Pitt in like uh-huh. baby old man makeup or whatever, and I get that. I just heartily disagree that they like dropped character work in service of that because I think I, it's I just think it's both I love that I think, I think every s- performance is great yeah. I think Brad Pitt is so good as good as he's ever been in this movie I think again it's a movie that suffers from being 25 minutes too long sure but, uh, Kate Blanchett yeah. is perfection to me I, I, I genuinely really like that yeah. movie in a way that like you know when you say like oh I love this movie but I get why people don't like it when people say, yeah. oh, I didn't like... Which, of course, like, costume dramas are not everybody's thing, and that's sure. arguably a costume drama. And, like, it's long, and it's Fincher, and it's very slow and a little <laughs> obsessed with itself. Um, but to me, it's like, it's okay if you say you didn't like it, but so many people are like, it was obviously a bad I, movie. That, and I was like, right. mm, well... I, I didn't mean, realize... I've never heard that. I didn't realize it was the butt of a joke. Oh, I, my God. I totally. never, never realized that because I've never... I think for a minute it was the... That's funny. You, you know when there's like a movie du jour of she's the kind of person that likes this obscure movie sure. that like... I think it became that of like, oh, she liked Benjamin Button was shorthand for, uh, she has no taste, but it was a love story or whatever. I just genuinely like it and feel defensive yeah. of it, which is, David Fincher does not need my help defending his yeah. movie. That, no, I mean, by that, all. that's just an interesting, like, it's in, like, societal perceptions uh, and, you know, the role they play mm-hmm. is so interesting because I had never heard that. I didn't know that it was the butt of a joke. And yeah. I was like, yeah, it's not Fincher's best work, but I appreciate it. It's good. Yeah. I think it falls somewhere in the middle of his catalog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't realize that it was like a thing. People are like, yeah, this fucking guy, you know. Yeah, I think it was for a minute, right? Or in 2008, kind of shorthand for. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, you think you're deep, but it's just Your Brad Garden Pitt is St- hot. What Garden State has yeah, become yes, now yes, or yes, something yes, like yes. that, which like good... people loved Garden State at the time. When's the last time you saw Garden State? Oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, I think it's been college I'm, for I'm me. curious. I, I, right? I've been me curious. Too. I did that with 500 Days of Summer. I went back and you know what? It's still a fucking great yeah, movie. You loved that movie. Oh, I absolutely love that movie. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's still a pretty fucking good movie. It's a little, you know. I don't know that I would enjoy Bullshit it. gender role shit. Uh-huh. But like. It's still pretty good. Well, I saw the one time when we were first dating, you watched it with yeah. me, and I liked it, but I also think I was definitely still in, like, trying to impress you by liking the I, things you like phase. Yeah, I think I think part of me, too, is a little bit of the elitist side. Like, I saw, I saw that movie with Patrick um, in an advanced screening before it came out with director Mark Webb in the theater. And then did a Q&A with him afterward. If you gave me a million years, I wouldn't have come with Mark Webb as that director. I've never heard that name before. Like, it's just one of those yeah. things, like, 500 Summer was such um, a, like, centerpiece of culture. He's the main producer on um, 
crazy ex-girlfriend. Huh. Um, Interesante. Yeah, he's one of like the main creators. Um, but he was there and, and talked about it. And it's there's something about watching a movie that A, you loved. Because at that time, and I was... What movie, whenever that came out, I was. Mm, I mean, probably young and like, oh, this is fucking cool, and I'm single, and I'm, oh, this women quirky, don't understand me. Fucking right, I'm, I'm your target fucking market for this movie. Oh, you were so a like JGL wannabe for sure. And then this movie comes out. Oh and nine. The, yeah, and then watching the director justify every fucking decision just makes this movie skyrocket you know what i mean like I, if I, like if you watch so it i'm sorry you watch it with commentary and the no director, i watched it with i watched watch it, it and then afterward mark webb talked to the oh, audience I'm so sorry 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 i got confused i was thinking you were okay yeah so we saw an advanced screening and yeah. mark webb talked to everybody and said like these are the thoughts that this is what this was about a girl i dated and whatever and this is who this was based on and this is and talked about all these things and people asked questions and it was like this movie is great now because I understand where it comes from you know what I mean like well, it's a spe- sure it's a very special way to see a piece of art it's and, a and very innocuous art it. you know what I mean mm-hmm. like yeah it's and it skyrocketed to being much but I just thought like the expectations versus reality split screen stuff I thought was great because mm. I always hated split screen in movies, and I thought this this did it in a way that was so good. You do hate split screen. I do. I, I, I find it unnecessary, and it is usually just distracting. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did a great job of doing that whole expectation versus three, and then occasionally they align, and then they don't. I thought all, there's so many clever filmmaking things that I thought were great about that movie. And honestly, for the most part, I think it still really holds up. Good. So I'm very curious about going back to Garden State because I think Garden State is the same concept, but a lot less um, from a filmmaker standpoint of yeah. being quality. I think it's a lot more just like, look how quirky this girl is. And you're supposed to be in love with sure. Natalie Portman because she's 22 and hot. And also, like and the whatever. whole tap dancing bit to me felt tap strong. Dance. I don't even remember that. That's honestly like one of the main things. I, the thing here, here are the things I remember from Garden State: the shirt that matches the wall. Yeah. At some point, Natalie Portman tap dances, and then admits she doesn't know how to tap dance. And I don't remember that at a, all. A brother is a knight. In medieval times, yeah. Who is also Gene Smart? That the he hooks up with like Gene Smart. Nope, that's. I mean, um, uh, wow. And I then the thing, the that. thing that always stands out to me because I no, didn't. Wait, I'm sorry, okay. you're not. You, you didn't respond to the thing I said. The brother who it's um, what's it? Sheldon from Sheldon, Big Bang yeah. Theory who yeah. was in. Okay, so you didn't. And he hear was that. sleeping with Gene Smart. Oh, he was sleeping. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. you meant JD was. They, sleeping it was with like Gene the next Smart. morning. The two of them. She's like, "Do you want whatever?" and yeah. Wait, so Sheldon is Gene Smart's boyfriend, not JD's. JD's mom is Gene Smart. Uh huh. And she hooked up with this knight from medieval times. Who is JD's age, but not Sheldon. Him. From, oh, yeah, okay. I th- right. I, from All what I, I remember, yes. Okay. And okay. then the other thing that I remember because it was so shoehorned in was the weird fucking, like, sex voyeur room that they went to with Method Man? What? 
And it's, there were so many words in that statement I didn't expect. <laughs> they go to the thing. Method Man. Why was Method Man Method there? Method Man takes him to Isn't the thing. Busy? And they like look through these like like, like voyeur peephole. room yeah. peephole things, and I don't <laughs> remember how it plays, but it's so fucking weird. Weird. Dude. I'm very curious to see Garden State again. Do you want to do that instead of whatever scary movie we're going to watch? We're probably too drunk to watch a movie you want to see. Uh, excuse me. Just, I'm fine. You're drunk. I'm just saying you do this. In all the, do you want to watch that tonight? Let's watch it tonight. And we're not going to watch. But I do want to watch Garden State again at some point because tonight. I'm very curious. Okay, fine. Tonight. Whatever. Yes. We should order Chinese food soon, though. Oh, my God. Okay, listen. We've been two hours. Here's the thing. I think if we've run out of shit that I can... Just talk about so i'm just gonna read through get the, through it the well sub- yeah i yeah what is this synopsis i had symposium in my head and i was like i'm not reading a symposium but i can't think of the word i need okay okay here we go here we go you guys did you guys all figure out in the empire because of us now guys <laughs> <laughs> because we gave you this great feedback so uh <laughs> we see doris side played by julia ormond tell a yes. police police officer that she had been hypnotized by a man known as the Phantom to murder somebody with a screwdriver. I made a very funny joke about flathead screwdrivers versus mm-hmm. Phillips head. Do you want to go into my nope, funny joke? You nailed it. Okay, we'll Just, keep going. We'll live in that. Oh, it was a really good bit. Um, and then she finds a, a screwdriver bread in her own side, which is terrifying. I loved it. A mysterious organization claims to have captives from Inland Empire. And they do, uh, this is all in Polish. Yes. In 1930s. Yeah, what the fuck? Oof. Okay, this is a Polish town, and it's L with a cross in it, O with a an accent mark. That's what it's called. A D, and then a Z also with an accent mark. So, Mikey, how do you pronounce that? Loge. Sure. Probably. D, DZ tends to be a J sound. Z- yeah, loge. So loge. That sounds right. Loge. Uh, sex workers are beaten by pimps. I wonder if we're going to have a new word to call pimps, which is like men who take monetary and sexual advantage of women who work for them. But whatever. Why, why would we need a new word for that? Well, because um, how it's written, it says prostitutes are beaten by pimps. And I said sex workers because that's the known nomenclature now. Mm-hmm. But pimps, we don't. I guess they're still villains. So we can just Yeah, they're, they're not good people. Like. They're not doing ethical work. Yeah. So they can have a... Uh, So sex workers are beaten beaten by pimps while murder permeates through the city. I... This is a part that I definitely was fully checked out for. Right. And I feel bad because we do this, but... Y'all, three hours is no, so and, but long, even and my ADD I, is so bad. <laughs> I, I, outside of when I took a little note in my phone, I was watching every frame of this fucking movie... And this is still insane. I don't, outside of the fact that a, a 30s car rolls by, I don't know that it's I don't think the I even 30s. That. Like, it's just so fucking. I. There's a few, like, this movie gives me a few moments of, like, ooh, this is the thing I've plugged in. Or this is a piece I've put together that makes sense. Like, like oh, did Laura Dern kill. The original actors from the the film. That's a thing I put together at one point because at the end when she's like walking through the hallway and she sees that guy and she walks into room 47, 
which is the name of the movie in German, and shoots that guy in the head. Like, oh, is she some... Did she actually kill the original people? Or is she a representation of these? Or is she a representation of the curse of this film? I think like, what? The these whole... are all the questions that come up, but like nothing is grounded enough to give me an answer. I think that's what I have with David Lynch so much is I the possibilities of is this this is more exciting than actually watching right. his shit. And if I didn't start a podcast with my husband during a quarantine, mm-hmm. I would never have come up with that shit. Big ups to COVID. Oh my God. <laughs> first of all, first of all, don't pound your chest like There's that, you thing creep. Also, can, you, can you also make that last of all too? <laughs> that what? Can you also make that last of all too? Because that was wrong. Oh, last of all? Yeah, okay. I, I was going to see if I... I you am know not what? proud of that. <laughs> I've been wanting to work on my audio editing, so maybe I'll make it like Echo or something like that. <laughs> something really dope. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. Nikki has become one of the groups of present day sex workers. And she wanders the streets while her companions ask, who is she? Nikki asks several men if they had met her. I feel so... When That's I read this shit, happens- I feel so much better about not understanding what happened because it's just like, they did this. They walked here. They That's said That's the thing this. that happens several times, too, is she walks into people and be like, have you met me before? Who am I? Do you know who I am? And people are like, so ah, weird. and weird answers. Like, that's a th- like, there's so many fucking things like that that, like, I, I'm trying so hard to put them together. I just can't. What, like, where, where does this scene come in where, like, all of a sudden they're outside and having a picnic and her husband guy is, like, cooking, but then you hear, like, and the ketchup exploded all over his chest? So weird. And she has like a visceral reaction to it. Like, what is happening? Can I? Like, those are like, I'll say, okay. And I want to just throw this out because you mentioned this at the time. And this is one of my favorite dumb stories. But me and my friend Brian. So when the the ketchup exploded on his chest and he was kind of like, what? Whatever. Because if ketchup exploded on your (laughs) chest, excuse me, on your chest. I don't, that seemed overly dramatic of how it exploded, like ev- everywhere. And it reminds me of my friend Brian and I at a Cubs game sitting in the bleachers. A home run was hit. A guy in front of us just sat down with a big old plate of nachos. And the home run ball basically landed in his nachos. And just exploded them everywhere. And so, hey, whatever, the ball bounces around. Somebody got it. Who knows? Whatever. But it was like a row in front of us or whatever. And Brian at one point see, looks in front and realizes like, oh, on the back of this guy's shoulder is some nacho cheese. So he taps the guy in the shoulder to be like, oh, excuse me, sir. I think you have some. And the guy turns around and... And the entire front of his jersey is just top to bottom covered in fucking nacho cheese. And the guy looks and so Brian does this moment that I just love of like tapping the guy in the shoulder and goes, excuse me, sir. 
I think you have some. The guy turns around and goes, oh, never mind. Because <laughs> he's just drenched in fucking nacho cheese. And that's what this ketchup scene felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so, what the fuck? And granted, this looks like a, like, oh, this is triggering her future memory of being stabbed in the stomach with the screwdriver or whatever. But like, it, it also like so, everything sounds like it was recorded with the mic on the camera. Oh, that was like, what the fuck is happening? Honestly, the, I, I had wanted to bring that up about the, cause I started with the things I loved about the Laura Dern, Grace Zabriskie scene. Yeah. And that was the, cause we haven't, I mean, we talked about the camera work and what camera he used. I don't think I've been like as abundantly clear as I could be because this was our the first time that like we had a scene that was settled. It's a two person dialogue. This is a sure. very beginning sure. thing, and it was filmed. It looked like with a fucking like whatever I used in high school, and I yeah. graduated high school in yeah. two thousand four. Um, and furthermore. The way it was filmed is the two women were sitting kind of facing each other, Mm -hmm. a little cheated outward, but the camera was behind them. Mm -hmm. And Grace Zabriskie was more facing the camera. Laura Dern was facing. It was was kind of over Laura Dern's shoulder a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so you heard Grace Zabriskie's dialogue really well. And then Laura Dern, it was like she was giving her lines from the bottom of a well. Like, (laughs) it was so bizarre. Like, just the... I guess that's what I'm confused about Lynch when it comes to Lynch of like, I I do understand that he wants his art to be expressed and all of this stuff. And I guess my fault with him is that I get this sort of punk mentality of I don't give a fuck about the audience. I'm making mm-hmm. this shit for mm-hmm. me and it's art. But also, I need to be able to hear the words your people are saying. There's a difference between, I'm not going to spell this out for you, and like, you need to help me a little bit understand. Genuinely, I just need to understand the words. Sure, 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 sure. This isn't, I need to understand the dialogue. I need to, like, audibly hear the words that they're saying so I can at least try to keep up with you. Exactly. And that wasn't just a, to me, not just a, like, whatever fuck everything like i just want the shots i want it was a fuck you to the audience which i don't like i get that 100 percent. i get that 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 feeling of like fuck you you don't get to like tell me what my art looks like but when you're making movies it's not a piece that's gonna hang at moma for a year and then go you know what i mean like Mm -hmm masses have I, to be able to understand what the people are saying and you're not giving me this and I want to be on yeah. your side but please like if you don't res- if you don't love your audience at least respect that there are people out there who want to appreciate your art and can't because you're making it too hard it genuinely this felt a lot like the Game of Thrones shit that happened and everyone's like <laughs> I didn't see anything for that whole episode because it was pitch black like it's the same thing of like can you at least, like, listen, yeah, I'm going to, like, nitpick on your bullshit. At least give me, as the viewer, an honest chance to understand what's yeah. happening here. No, I, I get that in 100%. Absolutely. Like, I, that is the thing I kept mentioning it during this, is that, like, what is it, like, because David Lynch loves digital. Like, he's 
on the record, I'm so glad I don't ever have to go back to celluloid. Like, Which, yeah, that makes sense. Like, but this movie is his first real foray into digital, and then he never really did any, he never did any features again. He did some short films and whatever since. But, like, what, what was it that drew you to this? Because this looks and sounds and whatever like like garbage and it's not even competent like like you know like visually i like if it were all to be used on my you know 27 inch tube tv sure because mulholland drive you know lost highway and this don't look that different on my tube TV, you mean? tube TV with a DVD, because HD wasn't really a thing yet. Uh-huh. So if I'm watching this at home, those three things are all going to look basically the same. Mm. This was still intended for theatrical release, mm. and there's a big fucking finale that ends with like watching this on the big screen, right? Like. <sighs> It just digital wasn't good enough yet. Like I think, it, I, yeah, it, it he, just he felt made like, that leap too fast. Yeah, it felt like he wanted this to be HD cam, and it just wasn't mm-hmm. yet. And it's, you know, what I will say this does answer a question for me that I've always had: that it was always film was SD and and a digital is HD. But I've always thought in my... What do you mean by... Excuse me. uh, 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 Like, okay, so like sitcoms, for example. Sure. When they were filmed with like regular... So like Friends versus The Office. The Office was filmed digitally. It was HD. It was widescreen. It was the first sitcom to be filmed as such. Okay. Versus Friends, which we're rewatching, which is SD. And it's, you know, made for a tube TV and things like that. Um, but I thought, I've always thought in my head, like, there must have been a crossover somewhere. Because what I've always thought was interesting, and it's a thing I've never learned until maybe two years ago, that when we transfer film, like actual Honest mm-hmm. to God film to HD, it looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. we're at my folks' place, we watch whatever that, some sh- space shit. Because yeah, you Apollo and my dad both, doc. you and my dad both love space shit. And that is yeah, the, the main Apollo thing, 11 the main thing you have in common yeah, besides yeah, yeah. loving me for some reason. Um, <laughs> but mostly space. But mostly space. I would say primarily <laughs> space, secondarily <laughs> golf, <laughs> tertiary cubs, whatever fourth year is, Jessica. Um, but, uh, I, I thought when I, when we saw that and he said, yeah, yeah. Like when, whenever they, Film was quote unquote HD. We just never had the technology to put that on on our mm-hmm. home screens. And I had I thought since then, since you told me that, I was like, there must have been a time when digital technology was available, but not to HD standards. And did that ever happen? That somebody was like, I'm gonna film on on digital, and it's gonna oh, be yeah. amazing. And this seems to this be this is absolutely this whole this is 2005 to 2009 ish. There's a bunch of these like semi like 
Soderbergh was big during this time. Mm-hmm. Like, this is... There's a lot of these people who are like, let's fucking embrace... Like, but... But what's interesting is like, yes, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look good. It doesn't whatever. But their embrace of it is what made the technology push forward enough to yeah, get to... Yeah, like, That's to, like We always... can actually make a film in digital. That's you know the story what I mean? of like, any piece of technology. Right. That's the story of the fucking right. car exactly. overtaking horse carriages. Exactly. But it's it's really interesting. But like... But yeah, you watch it now and it looks like trash. It looked... Granted... I cannot believe how bad it looked and how I did not get used to it the way I thought I would. Mm -hmm. Once in a while, there were scenes definitely that I didn't notice it as much, but there was no point in the movie that I wasn't keenly aware that this looked like shit. Any wide shot is blurry and pixelated. Close-ups are mostly fine, which is why it's good that this movie is 90% in close-up. I don't think I agree with the The close-ups are mostly fine. Close-ups are a lot crisper than wide shots. They're crisper, but still, like, I think maybe in addition to my problem with it not being, it being a faux digital garbage thing, of the fact that he just like clapped a wide lens on there and so everything looked flat and there was no depth of anything. I just hated looking at this movie. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think David Lynch is such an artist with things like that. It's genuinely disappointing. That's that I agree. That's what I was questioning is like what is his love of this? Blacks aren't there's no there's no color range. There's no depth of of it's just it, it, it's I don't under, I don't the sound like for someone one of Lynch's biggest things is sound and oh, it sounded like garbage the sound is not great it's like so flat and it's wild it's like wild that yucky. he was so into this output and granted the only thing that gives me faith in it or whatever is that it started with a conversation to Laura Dern, a phone call that said, let's experiment. But and that's all it was, was like, let's see if we can make a film out of this. And granted, it, is, it probably isn't as good as he'd like, no, but like but, this is what we but got. Mikey, the problem to me with that is he made that film. He made a very interesting film about a woman getting lost in herself in Hollywood and then for some reason shoehorned this weird Polish garbage into <laughs> it and it made no fucking yeah. sense. I genuinely, like, what wouldn't I give for David Lynch to take a week and recut this and cut out the Polish garbage and just let me watch Laura Dern descend into madness the way I've always wanted to? Or... Give me something that explains it. That makes Ties this make it sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> We're at 220. God. Okay. I'm so tired. <sighs> so, boy, oh boy, oh boy. What's the last thing do you think I said? Um, so she wanders the street. Companions ask, who is she? Nikki asks several men if they had met her. Uh, meanwhile, Nikki's character, Sue, meets a policeman at a nightclub and tells him how she was abused in her childhood, which led to uh, her sex work. I don't remember that at all. This, well, this is that like weird 
dark room that she's in. This this is all her straight to camera monologue stuff, which oh, I think is, that is what incredible. That was? Yeah. No, I mean she... all of the, her fucking the first time you see it, that first monologue about um about like men men don't change, they reveal themselves. And what and, and then I was ra- and then they tried to rape like Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, I'm so sorry. Did she say men don't change, they reveal themselves? Did she say that? Was that was like the, the entire monologue. That was like Literally, 10 minutes of the movie. A book I read today had that, I want to say, identical line. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah, she men. talks a lot about how, I think oh, that's well, why they I talk did. about men and when, like I was dealing with this man and how he changed and well, I guess he doesn't change. They just... They they reveal who they really are in time and time goes like and it was a whole monologue about how men reveal themselves. They men don't change; they reveal themselves. I and I loved it. And then she talks about being raped and, or attempted rape, right, and then she I, stabs the guy in the eye or where their finger right. and whatever. Oh, and the goo. Ugh. Yeah, and then the guy who's sitting there seems to be a cop. And you see it's mostly close up and he's got his shifted weird glasses that are falling off his face and he's got a jacket and a tie. And then when he stands up and leaves at one point, he's wearing like cargo pants and sneakers. Oh, I didn't. So like, what the fuck is this? But her performance in every one of these scenes is just absolutely mesmerizing. Oh my God. She's such an incredible performer. I'm trying to... Sorry, I was trying to pull this. Gen- really and truly, I think that was almost verbatim from the book I read today of this. Do you know when that was written? Uh, yeah, like 2018, I think. Oh, okay, very recent. Um, but the character was, but her it, whole background was her. I, Go ahead. So, no, if you can find it, I would say drop it in here. This bit. Uh, but there's a. I mean, it's a book. I don't know. Laura Dern's line. Oh, I have no idea how it would be. I mean, to do this that. might be on YouTube or something. Um, but if you can find the dialogue, that would be awesome to drop in here. Um, but she talks specifically about that. And I love the way she delivers the line about how men don't actually change, they just reveal themselves. And I. Oof. Very good. It's 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 not only fascinating and not only wonderful, but to know that that line was written by David Lynch. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what wonderful. keeps me coming back to him time and time it's, again. It's is wonderful. Yeah. First of all, the obligation of this podcast, but second of all, the fact that like he seems like a real tried and true feminist in a way of like not just oh I think women's work is whatever, but in a way of like. He doesn't, hey, I don't think he knows the word feminist. He just like is that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it almost feels like it, it isn't. It isn't about like oh, I understand the problems and the the issues and the and the the hardships that women have dealt with, and so therefore this. It just feels like no. It's what do you mean? It's just dumb to think that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like mm-hmm. like it's dumb to think that they're inferior or subordinate or whatever like i don't know it's it, what are you what are you doing i'm trying to find that line that i wanted to tell you about oh i cannot seem to find it but like yeah 
yeah i think that's a um a very astute yeah i guess astute you know he i i I don't in 2006 like granted this should have been the 1950s or whatever but this is well before any of this men being feminist and men being Mm. pro women i don't know yeah Okay. Continue. You, I felt like you had a point, and I, 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 I feel like I cut you off, and I apologize. Yeah, but I don't remember. Um, so Nikki's character says Laura Dern. Uh, Sue, she's playing Sue at this point. She meets a policeman in a nightclub. She tells him how she was abused in her childhood, the letter of sex work, and how she's being pursued by a red-lipped man. Sue arms herself with a screwdriver in response. She also mentions her husband, Smithy, a circus bear tamer with connections to both the pimps and the organization. Sue walks down Hollywood Boulevard, sees Nikki, but is attacked by Doris, who was hypnotized by the Phantom to kill her. Doris stabs Sue with her own screwdriver, and Sue falls at a bus stop where two homeless women talk about a, pro- a sex worker named Nico, a beautiful woman whose blonde wig makes her look like a movie star, thus allowing her to walk through the rich district dra- without drawing attention. One, yep. of the- one of the women holds a lighter in front of Sue's face until she dies. Kingsley yells, cut, and the camera pans back to show this has been merely a film scene, which is, I think, the third time they've done this. At least a second of, There's oh, we think this more is... More than once that, yeah. Yeah, they, so we, they've done this trick before, and so... But it, but this, what's interesting is that this does it the exact opposite way. The first time they do it is the conversation between her and Thoreau, and they're in a gazebo, and they're all fancy looking. Oh, I love Oh, they're filming scene. a movie. And then this part is like, oh, this all seems real, but wait, now they're filming a movie? What the fuck movie are they making? Yeah. And it's... Well, that's the thing is we never we right we don't know. I guess the thing that all of this has missed is just once in a while Nikki becomes this character that she's playing. There's the in the whole sex scene with Thoreau. Yeah, and there's these moments where she's like, "Oh, I saw this thing. What is this?" And she's like, "There's the moment where she like is." going back and forth with him and delivers all the lines of like you my husband can't find out you can't <laughs> sorry whoa this, this feels like, like something my character would say and they're like so what? good it sounds and like, like a script it sounds like a script that we would just read yeah i and they're like, loved that it's scene. so good because this is like that scene and there's a few moments in it that really nail it for like me what i want to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. this is what i want to see in a like we're I want to watch a person have a psychological breakdown, and I want it to be high stakes. I want this I person to be in the middle. I just want to watch anything that Laura Dern isn't in in this movie. Actually, great, great point. But just like when you know, you, before we watch this, you you mentioned like I don't know if this is going, if you're going to like this, or if this is, if you're going to hate this, or if this is going to hate you the way like I'm thinking of many things did, which in a lot of ways, oh, a lot of ways it did do, and I think if it had leaned on those parallels of. Mm-hmm. Like uh, character ambiguity, the way I think I'm thinking of anything does. I'm thinking of anything's does so well mm-hmm. of Jesse uh, Buckley's character. Oh, Je- oh, Jesse Buckley's character. Her, her character is nameless. God, I just realized they were both named Jesse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's nameless, and at one point he calls her Lucy, I think, and then a second later her phone rings and it's somebody named Lucy, and like they do such a good job of being like. 
Yeah. Keeping you sort of adrift of you can't lay your anchor anywhere around here because is her name Lucy or is it not? Is she an artist? Is she a scientist? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I wanted this to be more of that mm-hmm. of I loved the idea of Lauren Dern breaking down in the middle of a scene and kind of losing her her sense of self. Of, 100%. And it was like 50% there and then it sort of they didn't drive with it, which I, I, God, I want to watch a conversation between her and Justin Thoreau, who is playing opposite her at, in the movie and saying like, do you not know the difference between Nikki and what did we Sue? Sue, Sue or, do you, yeah, do you not under, like, I want to watch, I want to watch Justin Thoreau talk to Laura Dern and slowly realize she cannot separate herself right. from this character. Well, and that's not what I got. And then you, but you get these, it's, it's all, there's, there are moments like that that are really, really subtle. Like sometimes Laura Dern has a Southern accent. That was a Sometimes thing that, she does not. As does Justin S- Trudeau. Nope. Thoreau. That's the uh, uh, Prime Minister of <laughs> it's, Canada. It's weird who is that the also- Prime Minister of Canada is in this. But like, also especially, his, yeah. his accent is famously right. ambiguous. Right. But yes, because there's one point that De- Justin Trudeau, Trudeau fully did an English accent. Shut up. <laughs> Thoreau. <laughs> fully did an English accent to a point that it fucked me up for like five yeah. minutes and that's what I like about movies yeah. like this I want to always be thinking did I am I like am, is this me or I is this them like, the problem is part of the problem with accessing this movie is what's your starting point who and what is real nothing nobody and exactly is is there a southern is is the southern accent real is laura dern as it's it's all where do you launch from and is nikki grace a real fucking name who knows probably not sounds aggressive right like it's it's all like her best fucking scenes her best performances are those monologues in that dank room that with the letter A on the wall, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. All of those scenes are incredible where she's got that thin, like that not thick, but Southern accent. Mm-hmm. The, probably Texas feels, te- it feels similar to the Wild at Heart accent. Mm-hmm. But, and then we see that she's watching that on screen later at the end. Mm-hmm. She's watching that very scene. Yeah. So like, what the fuck? Fuck. Ugh. I I just I want I want to get this and I feel like I feel like I have all the components. I just can't put them together. But the problem is I, I think here's the problem is that we have been given a, a thousand piece puzzle. From a person who isn't entirely sure that all of those pieces go together. And so we can put this puzzle together and we're going to have six pieces left over. And it's like, what do those mean? And I I mean, unclear. And that's what I think about. I mean, just the way. I almost feel like more so it's a thousand piece puzzle, but we don't have a picture of what the puzzle is building. I disagree. Because I think, I, I think not- all the components are here. 
I think we have what we need to figure it out. Hard to disagree. I do not think David Lynch gives a fuck if we have all the pieces. I think... I don't th- I I don't know that he gives a fuck or whatever. I don't think he I, gave us all the pieces. I don't but think this I, is a complete But I 100% narrative. think there's enough to figure it out. I don't. I absolutely don't. Okay. I do not think... I think maybe there are... The way... Listen, how many times have we talked about like... Uh, Twin Peaks threads of okay, this is their theory and it works with this or any any kind of fucking um, uh, space trekkers, but Star Wars things like that of like people can give a narrative that threads through. That doesn't mean that was the creator's intent. Sure, which doesn't whatever. Like once, in my opinion, once stories are put in the world, like they are the world's property. Sure. And for better or for worse, that's yeah, how no, it that's works. You fair. can't be too precious about something you create and then give to the world because you've lost control over it at that point. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I think David Lynch gives zero fucks if we understand what this is about. I don't think, he, because I don't think David Lynch thinks a quote unquote good or complete movie or story or whatever is one that gives you all of the information you need to get to the end or to understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he gives a flying fuck if all of the pieces in the puzzle are there when he gives it to us. I, Fucking figure it out and I, you can if you I, want and if not, don't. I agree with that. I don't think he cares. I think the difference is he he sees it and so all the elements are there for him to see it. Therefore, they're there for you to see it. And I think... He, he doesn't care if you get it. I agree with that. And I'm getting high-pitched. Um, like, yeah. Awkward. Well, I, on that one, I did. Sure, it was a bit. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Um, You're very deep voice. No, I, <laughs> Hello, it's me, Michael Gray. I, I think, I, I, I agree. I, I, don't, I think he doesn't give a shit if you get it or not. And if you get something else entirely, he's cool with that. That said, I think he wouldn't, it wouldn't be a complete project if the elements weren't there. Mm-hmm. For so it makes sense to him, but I I don't think I don't. What the difference is? I don't think he's intent intentionally withholding. Oh, I, I never accused him of that. No, I know, but I think I think some people are like, oh, if you were to make this leap of faith and say this, then you could plug this in, and then it makes sense of everything. I don't think he's intentionally making it difficult to understand. I think he just doesn't care. Um, I would I would say that is a hundred percent true, except for the fact that hmm. I I I have done mild research. I assume you've done more than me, but it seems to me from what I've seen and read that yeah, Inland really Empire Inland Empire does not have a complete script. And he did okay. not go into the movie with a complete script. He went into it seemingly to fuck around with Laura Dern and see if they can make art out of it. Which I, sure. God, that's how literally dance is made. Of like, sure. hey, I like you. Let's see what we can do with your weird body. Yeah. Um, I do. I think you can make an argument for for Lost Highway or for any of the movies that we've seen that the the pieces are there in place and it's up to us. I don't think this is that. Okay. Yeah, no, I do not think he went into it saying fair. I want to make a comprehensive story. I think he wanted to make a series. I mean, if you look he at he wanted like, to experiment. That's, yeah, and if you look yeah. at the IMDb trivia, which is take it or leave it, but 
it seems to me that he and Laura Derns are like fucking around and filming scenes and found this character and then created a three-hour movie out of it. But at no point was worried... Like, it seems to me that You're he right. made a bunch of different vignettes and sort of loosely connected themselves, them mm-hmm. together, and that's good. Yeah, and think, it's feature length, so. Right, right. I think you're I right. I am right. I Thank think, you. <laughs> I, I, definitely, I definitely am applying previous David Lynch works logic onto this because it seems odd that he wouldn't, you know, because I think everything else seems so cohesive that you think you think all of his other works are really cohesive in his own head yes okay and i think i think there's a very very every piece of his i think has a a through line and a logic and makes sense every decision makes sense to him I think there's a difference between this makes sense in the moment and I'm going to take a big step back and make sure this all is cohesive in a cinematic way. I think it comes from cohesive being a different meaning from the artist and the audience. Okay. I I think cohesive meaning like if he were to break down and tell the story exactly all the elements that he needed to, which he'll never do, all the elements are there. Um, at least for most of his works. And you're right. This might be a lot more experimental. I mean, I think it yeah, is. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. But we're, we've been going for almost yeah. three hours. I'm so tired. Um, um. So she mentions her husband. This is... I don't know who we're talking. Nikki, um, she mentioned her husband, who was a circus bear tamer with connections both pimps and the organization. She walks down Hollywood Boulevard. She sees Nikki, but is attacked by Doris, who's Dor. Oh yeah, Doris. Julia Orman. Yeah, who was hypnotized by the Phantom to kill her. Uh, Doris stabs Sue with her own screwdriver, and Sue falls at a bus stop where. Two homeless women talk about a, a, a mm-hmm. sex worker named Nico, a beautiful woman whose blonde wig makes her look like a movie star. That's allowing her to... Yeah. Uh, Richard's... Uh, one of the women holds a lighter in front of Sue's face and just dies. Kingsley tells, yells, cut the pan... At the cam- Did I do that already? Yes. Did I read yes. that whole yes. thing? Yes. Okay. Kingsley informs Nikki that her scenes for the film are complete. In a daze, she wanders off the set and into a nearby cinema. I actually really liked this part when she... Like, they cut... The three actors, so Terry Crews, the woman from season three, um, the blind woman from season three is the woman who does that entire oh, monologue. Is it? Yeah, that's the same woman. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ni- Nico, Neo, something like that. I can't remember what. Ni- Nido is her. Nido. is her name in season three. I, yeah, I, it's she, the same character. I didn't it's realize same, it was the same actress. Okay. I, I noticed her and I was really worried. I was just being racist and it was like, oh, it's an Asian woman. Is it this mm. person? But yeah, it's the same person. Yeah. Uh, Terry Crews, as we mentioned, and then the, the woman who was in the box. I did not. I she recognize. looks familiar. She's 
got that big bottom lip. Yeah. That's she's a beautiful woman. Like it's, it's such an interesting face. Yeah, I adore I, her. I, but I don't know her. But yeah, and then the other one is Terry Cruz, who does almost nothing in the scene. But yeah, well, no. At one point, <laughs> I did. As, as a person who's like, never... Like, I just... I, I remember very vividly being like, oh, Terry Crews is in this movie, too. And then I watched this again, and I was like, oh, yeah, he does almost nothing. Yes. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Um, so Nikki wanders off, um, and she walks into a nearby movie theater where she sees not only on High and Blue tomorrow, but... Wait, what? That's the Nikki. No, no, I understand. Nikki wanders off and into a nearby cinema where she sees not only on High and Blue tomorrows, but events that are occurring. Yes. Okay. So she. That was a difficult sentence for me to parse. On the screen is also sometimes things that we had seen previously, and then also like the guy walking up the stairs next to her and stuff like that. So it's it's bizarre. Um, it's it's just a very weird surreal moment of like reality is broken. A little, we don't like, know what's happening. Cairo, a little blazing saddles of you walk into the theater. Yeah, it's all that kind of thing. Um, so she wanders into the projection room, but finds an apartment building marked Axon N again. Dun, dun, dun. Nikki confronts the red-lipped man, now known to be the Phantom, and shoots him. The Phantom transforms into a deformed version of Nikki, which is super spooky scary. Yeah, that's a fucked up image. There, I, I, the, the and, pro- and the room is 47, which this is this is where I came up with the idea of like, she may have been the person, like that guy might have been, the Phantom may have been the person from the original version of this movie and she killed him. Right. And it's because of the 47 room number. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, her the image of when he moved forward and the the face is like ah, oh so it's so scary. fucking creepy. Uh, Nikki flees into room forty seven, which houses the rabbits and television, though she can't see them. She then meets the lost girl and they kiss. Nikki and the rabbits disappear in a white light, and the lost girl escapes from the hotel into the Smithy's house, where she happily embraces her husband and son. Nikki, back at home, smiles victoriously at the Polish woman and finds a one-legged woman, played by Tracy Ashton, that Sue had mentioned, Nico, the sex worker, and a monkey. End credits roll over a group of women dancing to Nina Simone's Sinner Man, while Lumberjack saws into the... I actually... Okay. My favorite part of this entire movie was that last dance scene because mm-hmm. Afro-Caribbean dance is not a thing I get to see a lot on screen, and I'm always thrilled to see it always thrilled to see it you should watch lovers rock it's one of the short films of the steve mcqueen series small acts on oh yeah is it a very cool oh very cool i uh, yeah like you know afro-caribbean dance Mm -hmm. is a thing that i love and is such i was a modern dancer and is such an influence in that without yeah no i was thrilled to see it loved seeing this Mm -hmm. woman lip syncing the Listen, the joy of watching like black women dance to their music mm-hmm. is to me Yeah. Unfollowable. Like it is a thing that makes me laugh makes me gloriously happy every fucking time because dance to me is such an important honestly, I, the irony or, or the fittingness of of this sort of this sort of movie and this sort of 
ending. Oh, God. I don't know. I It makes me think that there is something in David Lynch that should have been a choreographer. But that's... But you're striking on exactly what I'm talking about. Of like, this shit is intentional and he is an artist. Mm-hmm. And not just like putting things out that like, I think audiences will think this is cool. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. th- when we had our... Uh, like remember like four hours ago when we had the david lynch ryan murphy debate um i'm so tired mikey but like that's but that's what i mean was like these are the moments where like there's things you can't put your finger on but Mm. this shit is real and this is intentional and this is art versus this is what i think will sell but i i (laughs) (laughs) literally nothing happened and the dog is barking but anyway. No, I mean, I... Listen, I understand what you are trying to say. I just do not necessarily agree that, like, Ryan Murphy is the... And I know I'm the person that brought Ryan Murphy to the table on this. I, but, like, I think I did, actually. No, but, did you? Okay, good, because I thought that was true. But, but I, as a woman, I like to take blame uh, as I, much as I can. That's, I think, I, a failure on my part, because I don't know enough about Ryan Murphy. I just... He seems like one of those that, like, yeah, I don't give a sh- I, I'm I'm over his shtick. You know what I mean? I don't know. Oh boy, yeah. I I think you and I have such different ways of approaching things sometimes that like but that's, I don't even. But that's know, my point. I don't even know what to. The thing is, like, when you say something like "I'm over Ryan Murphy's shtick," I do not know how to talk to you about that because I am so fundamentally over David Lynch's shtick right now. That's fine. And like, and, and, which isn't necessary. Like. I think I have been very clear that there's so, uh, of course, of over the last, whatever, 18 months that we've been doing this, I think I have been extraordinarily clear that, like, I like David Lynch a lot. Mm-hmm. And so many times I feel like he fails me and he fails himself. I think because he's so inside his own head, I sure. think that he needed a, cr- a collaborative partner to help him. I think... Yeah. And That's I think, fair. Yeah. But but it's it's things like you said, this last sequence and the dance sequence and whatever. This to me was the credits. I This didn't resonate with me at all. And for you to say that this is your favorite part of the film is wild because it's, because it's what you are attracted to. And what I'm attracted to isn't what you're attracted mm. to. And whatever. And like, I just like beautifully composed shots or interesting dynamics and things within the frame and things like that and you're not as into that and that's all it is well is- i think i just demand like some sort of emotion to be projected by any kind of movie that i'm watching sure. um and dance is such an easy shortcut to that see dance- that, but that's my point is that to me it's absolutely 100 percent not to yeah. me it's just all dance looks the same to me i don't get and that's not yeah. That's not an insult. It's just I don't know that. I that that language doesn't speak to me. Do you know what I mean? I do. And that's that's all it is. And that's I I I think David Lynch is speaking in a language. Beautiful, excellent choreographers are speaking in a language. I'm not your audience. But that mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I genuinely I'm so, I don't think I have any other thoughts to say. Okay. I 
I really wanted to. I know. I think this is my whole thing with David Lynch and and maybe a lot of some others. And I think maybe this is why I like Charlie Kaufman a lot right now is that he, to me, toes the line between like accessible weird. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I. But the thing is, like, it's not as if. I'm thinking of ending things or a snack New York or or whatever are super accessible cinema for people. People sure. hate that kind of sure. shit. And it makes me to me the reason if I sound defensive, it's because I want to make sure like to me it's very important that people understand that like I get it. Like I get art. <laughs> right? Like I'm not a person who's like I don't understand it therefore it's bad. I know. And that's not what I would ever say about David Lynch, but also it was clear this is gonna be my last thing and then we're gonna wrap it up if david lynch did not make i can see her tail her tail is waving in my face i know her nose is buried in her dick (laughs) is it just right in your crotch and her tail it we just have a small table where we record (laughs) and the dog is like you guys you've been talking to each other for so long I'm holding your tail. No, she's not. She's an idiot. She's a great girl. She's the best girl. I love her so much. Um, this is what I will say, is that I want to love everything that David Lynch has done because most of it is 60% fucking my jam. Mm-hmm. But if you don't care whether or not I enjoy or understand your art, then I'm not going to enjoy or understand your art even when I put in like my whole heart to it. And so I don't think if David Lynch heard that he would be like sad about that. No, he doesn't give a shit. Like Jessica Bloomingrave is not his like main (laughs) person. But for me, it's like, like, God, there are moments that he's clearly a fucking genius this is a man who sees things in a way that none of us do and can and then can put that on film this is a man who represents my me jessica's dreams in a way that i did not think other people could see this is a person who fucking capital g capital i gets it Hmm. but I need you. This is me talking to David Lynch. I need you to want He's me to. He's listening, I'm sure. I need you to want me to like it. I need you to want people who want to like it to like it. Yeah. If I'm sitting down in a movie, a three hour movie that has no plot and no script, and I was willing to be like, yeah. fuck yeah, this is going to be my. I was sitting down like, I want this to be my new favorite movie because mm-hmm. I like David Lynch's weird shit. And there comes a point, it's like a, a it's like a relationship. There comes a point where like, you have to meet me in the middle, bud. I want to watch your movies and I want to enjoy them. You just have to step out of your head like a foot. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that is always going to be my thing with David Lynch. I love so much of what he does. And I love the potential of his view of the world. I think he's a full-on lunatic. And I adore him. I think he doesn't get, 
I think he truly doesn't give a fuck. But I want him to give like a little bit of a fuck. Yeah. I want him and I know to, what you mean. I, I want him to make a movie that isn't just aggressively inaccessible. I want I want him to make again, I think Charlie Kaufman is what it comes down to of like yeah. Yeah. if you sit down and like understand that I'm thinking of ending things is really about this guy who's hallucinating this fake girlfriend who doesn't really exist because she can't be that perfect. Or it's not in New York about it doesn't matter. Like Charlie Kaufman makes things that are deeply fucked up and on a very gentle viewing means nothing. But I see the meaning there and I see what it means. Mm-hmm. David Lynch, I bud, I want to be on I want to I want to see your vision of the world and I simply I, you're yeah. not giving me enough. Yeah. And he doesn't care. And that's fine. Yeah. He's not making his art for me, but that's that's I'm going to end it there. That's what I have to say about David okay. Lynch. I think the only other things to say is we've come to the end of what we had more or less scheduled. Um, I think in two weeks we will record an episode. We'll watch um, What Did Jack Do? Which was the movie he... Movie or... Yeah, I guess it's like a 20 it's something 20 minutes, minute right? short film that he dropped on Netflix just like out of nowhere. Yeah. Just, Before we even started this, like a minute ago. Oh, yeah. It was like 2017 or something. Oh, was it that long ago? Yeah. Um, they Do you just, feel like time just stopped happening yeah, when we moved I mean, into this house? No, time stopped when the pandemic started three, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. three years ago, whatever that was. Well, we just moved into this house three years, five years ago yeah. now. And I just feel like it's yeah. like, when we lived in this house versus when we lived in the other sure, house. Sure, sure, But yeah, so there, we'll watch that, which is only 20 minutes. So there's not much, obviously, to say about that. And it's literally just David Lynch talking to a monkey for 20 minutes. Wait, really? It's one. It's basically one sequence. David Lynch talks to a monkey for 20 minutes. I have tournaments of patience. Yeah. Uh, but like anytime David Lynch It's significantly talks- easier to, to watch that than three hours, three hours of, this. of this shit. But genuinely, every time David Lynch talks yeah. all i want to do is listen to him yeah but so i figure we'll we'll watch that we'll say any thoughts we have on that i don't know if i'm gonna have any who knows whatever yeah um but the, if anybody has any thoughts ideas things questions anything they want to talk to us like they yeah, want us so- to talk about send us an email send us a uh, tweet Did or, we, have we, we don't have an email address Yeah we uh, do Cooperduperpod at gmail.com Have you been checking that? Because yeah, I haven't yeah, Oh okay We've had a few, That's where the Quote unquote The Matt Sweeney came from um, Yeah I mean basically like yeah. The next episode is going to be our Quote unquote finale Like yeah. if David Lynch does more shit We will Yeah we'll come it. back with whatever this Wisteria slash I'm stoked about it. Like, Unrecorded yeah. Night, whatever they're calling this new project or whatever yeah. that he's working on. We'll come back for that, I think. But as of now, it'll be a kind of a, like, maybe we'll maybe we'll watch What Did Jack Do? Maybe watch a couple other, like, pseudo short films if we want. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, I but, think like, talk may- about kind of everything as a whole. David Lynch, Mark Frost, Twin Peaks. 
Yeah, so if you and have... Then wrap things up and call it a day. Yeah, I think like a pseudo mailbag thing, if anybody ever emails yeah. us, would be fun. So if you have thoughts on Lynch or Twin Peaks or, you know, us as a couple, if you really have some <laughs> thoughts that you want to give to us on that, you know, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll or honestly, discuss some things. More just... likely in my... Um, my history of podcasting more likely nobody will email us and we'll just talk for an hour about but yeah but i mean that yeah we'll talk we'll chat we'll wrap things up and decide you know like just kind of put a you know summary on everything and after the next episode i think we'll just be done until more shit comes out so no this was um yeah i mean this was a quarantine fucking like something to do so well so this started if people haven't heard i host another podcast um called the friendly atheist and mikey and i would do we would just (laughs) at the beginning of quarantine we just watched a bunch of movies that were about people being stuck together Mm -hmm. um we posted those up on the patreon uh stream of friendly atheist and then we started doing this and it was very much just we needed shit to do Have during quarantine. To do, yeah. Unfortunately, it seems like we're walking toward a new quarantine, which is cool and regular and chill. And I'm really glad people decided not to get a vaccine shot because that I'm just because that gave me the extra, I don't know, four months I needed to really decide if I like the color of my walls or not. Um, what? Anyway, listen. I don't understand any of those things that you just said. Oh, is just a a bit about how they thought it was gonna be early it doesn't matter um just the idea of all i've done for the last year and a half is look at our walls and think about you're are you rubbing your nose on the windscreen maybe but at least you can see your puzz with um so okay all that's to say, if you have any um, questions, thoughts, concerns, um, criticisms, but I probably won't read that on the air because I read those in bed at yep. night and cry about them. Mostly if you just want to just express your undying love to us. Oh, I thought you were going to say me personally. Or Jess in particular. I said us because I'm trying to latch on to the fact that everyone just loves you. <laughs> You never say things like that to me. What? Nice things? Yeah. Um, okay, so listen, gang. <laughs> it's 8.20 on a Sunday night. We've been drinking for 14 hours. <laughs> we're going to go watch. <laughs> what did I say we're going to watch? I don't know, but we need food first. We need Chinese food so hard. All right, guys, listen. Boy, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to edit this and it's going to be terrible. Yeah. Um, we will we'll talk to y'all next week goodbye thank you for listening to Cooper Duper at Twin Peaks podcast for regular people hosted by Michael Greif and me Jessica Blumke Greif our podcast logo is by Forker Creative you can follow them at Forker Creative our theme music is by Brad Chactus you can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend We'll see you next week.